0: Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to below. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practicalguitars or on Twitter as at Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitars. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitars.com. Hello, Jim. Apparently, Hello, the record, record, the record, <laughs> the, apparently, everything is just breaking night, man. Apparently, the record button just failed on me a minute ago. Um, And you know what a rigmarole it is every time I log in to get this thing going with my sound card. So, oh, yeah. It's a nightmare, oh, yeah. man. It's a nightmare. I hate Windows. I, I can't, it's not just, uh, I don't think it's just Windows. I think it's, I, I think can't there's hate A it. lot of things contributing here hate whatever you want. Lots it's un it's unfortunate
1: but um most of your uh most of your government access is unfortunate yes. and anytime you do remote access it's windows
0: yeah which is hilarious to me because it's like the least secure operating system but okay
1: <laughs> it's it's because it's so vanilla
0: I, I, I understand why I'm just like that doesn't make it more secure I mean
1: you couldn't let Hillary Clinton have a email server or bathroom if you didn't have windows i'm just saying <laughs> As your access to the government people Dude, just remember
0: that so i spent pretty much all day working on a song and when i listened back to it as i was done i was like wow this is like i'm playing like i'm drunk and uh i've been there it's been one of those yeah i know we've had that story on the show before it's been one of those days so i i took a step back Part of, part of what's going on. So I've been doing these open mics right? and I've, it's been pretty successful. Uh, I did two or three this week. I don't even remember. I'm doing three this week. Nice. Right. Um, and I did, I think I did two last week and then two the week prior. Um, and it's been going really good. The last one I did was at kind of like a local hipper club and, mm-hmm. um, I got to play end of the night and people were freaking out. Um, now they were all drunk at that point, but um, <laughs> drunk people love your music. I made some really really Maybe, good. It con- doesn't matter yeah. who you are. <laughs> I made some really really good contacts, and yeah. a bunch of people were asking, like, where can we find out more about your music? That sounds awesome. So not the first time that we've talked about this on the show. This has happened before. So mm-hmm. I'm working on an EP of demos yeah. that I have recorded, and I'm just I'm getting into where I'm going to master them. Um, you should. Actually, that's what I was doing right before I was talking to you, so that I can put them all up as an EP on iTunes and sell I think them. You'd,
1: yeah, I think you'd be surprised at how many, like, I don't know if they make, like, you know what would be cool is if you could buy an iTunes card, and I know that you don't have to use it that way, but like, you know how when you buy, you used to buy a movie, you'd buy an iTunes movie card, and it would have yeah. the movie name on it, but all yeah. it was was credit for the so that you could buy yeah, a movie you yeah. could buy whatever you wanted, you could buy a t- shirt right whatever. if if iTunes sold t shirts, but what would be cool is if you could sell your e p like on something like that,
0: yeah, but nowadays it's so common for people to just have like apple music that yeah, as long as it's on Spotify and iTunes, that covers probably ninety percent of the people that are gonna hear your music at this point.
1: It's so true, so true, so matter of fact, I had to so I got a new iPhone folks, yeah. And uh, If you because, haven't
0: heard, because Jim's been telling everyone.
1: Well, I only told the people on my social media. Look at not. these
0: shiny things look, that you should steal from me.
1: Look, look, it's shiny. See how shiny it is? And it's the, it's the green, which was hard to gut. But um, anyway, so I'm, I'm relearning how to use the Apple world. Well, and there's really only two reasons I went to iPhone. Number one, I had a Samsung Note 8, which actually has awesome camera, has a lot of great features, but memory management, was terrible and only had 64 gigs of on on-board RAM which is just terrible or on-board um on memory
0: space yeah. yeah
1: and uh so I went big I got the biggest iPhone because I, t- I intend on keeping it five or six years until the iPhone 14 or 15 whenever it'll be comes out and um
0: if they're still in business, which they probably will be. Well, that'll be in business.
1: And the biggest thing is, and you know this, is it's unfortunate for the Android users, but most of the stuff that you can buy, that you can use with this stuff, because I want to start hooking up GarageBand, different things like that to it, um, you can't really buy a lot of things that will talk to an Android device, not in the numbers and the ease that you
0: can not in the with, speci- not in the, like the audio specific realm. I mean there's right. stuff out there for Android devices, but oh, yeah. I would say in general, like the quality of it's not as good and it's more set up. You know, like or it's cross platform. If it's right. if it's a really good device, it'll work on both. But like yep. the sure the sure series stuff, the M V eighty eight and things like that, yep. they don't even make those in a USB configuration. No. So No. Um
1: And it's smart for Apple to maintain their uh um, there's lightning supreme, port, their supremacy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't
0: necessarily agree with that, but well, I got the devil. Most people know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is the devil that most people know. Although you got to admit, the iPhone 11, not the not the Pro series, which is what I got, but the iPhone 11 is a pretty good deal considering the re, the past iPhones.
0: Yeah, I well, I mean, if I was gonna do it, I'd probably go for the Pro, but that's well, yeah, of, because that's you and I.
1: Yeah, we're, we're crazy. And, and in all reality, this is the thing to think about, folks. When you go to buy these phones, if you're one of those er- new every two people, you don't need the fastest one. doesn't matter.
0: Well, I, what I would do is, um, say, I, I have the upgrade plan, so I could pay 100 bucks right now and get the new phone. But I'm just like, I'm to the point where it's not worth the 100 bucks.
1: Well, I mean, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not worth the $100 right now to, to upgrade
0: from an iPhone X. Yeah, they're they're depra- they're not deprecating the hardware fast enough anymore.
1: No. So. I mean the only thing really that's that would push you to an eleven is if maybe you've got a seven series
0: or a six yeah six if you're, if you're like five, six years old, it's now's probably the time to upgrade. Granted, yeah. price has gone up, so just expect it. And then that's the thing, like it's it's part of um inflation. So
1: Yeah, but when you think about what we've replaced so yeah, the, the price has gone up for the um the basic phone is six hundred and six ninety nine. Yeah, where last year was six uh, seven forty nine.
0: So yeah, it's actually but, gone
1: down. But the- that's
0: because there's no XR right. in this lineup.
1: Right, right. And the other thing that they, what they did was, uh, you know, that they it, now your phone is everything. I mean, that's mm-hmm. your pretty pretty much. But other than this crap and a little bit other stuff, I don't put my laptop for much. Well, I, I, but it's been that way for ten years, Jim. This is yeah. not. This is nothing new. Oh, yeah. But I mean, uh, and well, it hasn't been 10 years. um, The iPhone came out. um, Well, the iPhone itself has been out for 10 years, but I don't think people could really rely on it that well for the last 10 years. Maybe. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I mean, you're right, but I, I would say that the adoption of goods and services on the Internet were not the same 10 years ago. No, nope. And that that has dramatically increased, at least even in the last five years. Yep. I mean, now you can literally order your groceries through Amazon. Which yeah. When you stop and you think about that, you know, that it's we're living in a different world than we were even 10 years ago. Right, And I think, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the price of these devices is, is suited by the change in technology. My yep. point is, it's offering you the, it's offering you features. I don't think that it's any it's worth any more or any less, but I do think the rate of inflation has gone up and the prices stayed stagnant for like almost yeah, nine years.
1: years. Yeah, several years. So and so they had to. They, they, it eventually it was had coming. To go.
0: Eventually, and they were going to go up. So nobody can complain about it. Anyway, no. Uh, this is not a phone podcast.
1: <laughs> no, but what I was getting at, I was actually going in this direction because I have, a, believe me, I've always got an end point that I'm going to. So it's like you have an app for everything, right? You have an app to go to to Chick-fil-A, to Taco Bell. You don't even need to order. You just walk in. At Chick-fil-A, I walk in. The app says, you're there. Are you there? I click the thing. It pays for it, and I grab my bag, and I leave. I don't even talk to a person. I don't even have to look at them, mm-hmm. which, which is scary. That's a completely different yeah, thing. If we, were, other- if we were a psycho a, a sociopolitical podcast, we could go down that <laughs> road, but well, my point is, so I was I was driving out my one day that I had where I was like, okay, I got a lot of time this week, or I don't have a lot of time this week. I had so much stuff going on. Um, I had three open mics. I had um, my band uh, um, rehearsal. I had the church thing. Um, I had to get the church music down for the week. I, I So I, um, I said, okay, I got this window of time right here between the chiclets and the erasers. Anybody knows the movie reference, um, and I can, I can get my uh, soldering iron and get it done. So I'm heading to Lowe's, and I look at my phone. and I'm like, geez, I just remembered. I need, I need to." So I put together a, a shopping list at Walmart. I was going to try the new Walmart app, right? Well, what's the last thing I should have done when I'm out to go to Lowe's is buy cold food, and <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: So you cooked instead of soldering. <laughs> dude, where's I got, dude. Comi- where's your commitment to this podcast? How late are we on these pickups? Somebody has to speak for our, <sighs> our listeners. Somebody has to give you some shit, Jim. I no, like, somebody, on, dude. Somebody Seriously. else has to. So I have a different idea. I'm going to roll
1: th- throw a couple things to you and Nick off the offline. Um, you know, because I've been so long, the guitar yes, is just me, hanging me the there. Literally, up. the guitar has not been taken off the wall since we started this thing so we i've got some plans um but i'll throw a couple of ideas i've had between you and him and we'll see what we can do so because i want to sweeten the thing because of the fact that i've taken so long i want to make this right for everybody
0: involved so okay sounds good i'm willing to talk i'm willing to talk man um dude so uh, this this open mic thing I'm I have good I have good vibes about it. We we talked about uh, briefly in the beginning that I'm working on mastering this uh EP. Yeah. And I have good vibes about this situation. But um mm-hmm. because I've never really had the response to my music the way that I do right now. And right. um so the only thing I'm dealing with that's like a real struggle is I'm out 3 nights a week now like not at home not doing anything and there those that that time is completely burnt there's nothing else you can do like you can't sit at an open mic and like work or anything like that i can't multitask and it is driving me absolutely I can't insane. solder pick up at an open mic yeah well i mean i know that i'm 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 treating this like touring right now i'm like oh i'm going to do these 3 this week and i and i'll put them up on my my uh music facebook page which if you haven't liked that yet go check it out it's david hill music on facebook um if you go in there, like you'll see, I'm posting these these events I'm going to go to. But I'm I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm only going to be able to do two most weeks. Like this is not going to be something I can keep up because I just need the time.
1: It's hard. <laughs>
0: you have a family. You have a wife. Yeah, and a child. You have uh, children at home. My wife is so supportive. Cats. Um, she's been pushing me out the door pretty much to go to these open mics, and and the, uh,
1: and, and the pool guys coming in.
0: No, <laughs> no, you don't even have a pool. <laughs> Now, if he's coming in, he's getting shot. Yeah. Uh if you know my crazy. wife, he's probably gonna get shot. So I am
1: just kidding. Um
0: <laughs> but she she uh she's like been really supportive and like she wants to go with me this week and she's trying to like move some things around. Because so, you know, we got we got childcare we have to deal with in that situation. Right, right. So um and I'm hoping to get some more video. I'd like to put some video up in the group of me playing maybe my live set or something. Um, I did have one guy actually I ran into, um, so at the Brower house, which is a little bit more trendy club here. They have a, they have a full on main stage in there. Um, so they'd like a regular music club. And, uh, while I was there, they do their open mic on their small stage, which is in the bar. And then in the back, they're doing a battle of the Mm bands. And, um, it was really cool because. You'd see people like filtering in and out, so I went over there with actually with Mike Mara, and that's actually what I wanted to talk about um with regards to this whole like little off branch. Um, Mike and I had been talking back and forth about going to this place called the Tonic room, which is in the city. He goes there a lot um and now, I'm actually for gonna, those of
1: you who don't know, Mike is a listener and he's a, a member of the Facebook group,
0: right, right. and um, I'm gonna join him at the tonic room on Monday, but um, I went to the uh, the Brow house with him and uh, we, we sat and we chatted for a little bit, talked about um, kind of some of the, the backdoor stuff that goes on with the show. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I gave him kind of a, um, a conversation about, you know, some other situations we've put ourselves into and like how we're how we're working through them and whatever. And uh, it was funny because both of us were experienced enough musicians that we were like, well, we don't really know what we're going to play. We'll just go up there together and it'll be fine. So there was almost nobody there. Um, there was I think it was like me, him, one other performer and then the hosts. so But the, but the club was reasonably, you know, there was populated. There was 20 people there, 30 people there. um So, we played first, and then, it was just a really interesting experience, because it was just like, here, here, we're just gonna jam on B minor, and, hmm. like, we just did a vamp, and it went over really well, and then before I know it, a drummer comes up from the bar, and one of the hosts is playing bass ukulele behind us, and, um, that's cool through through a fender rumble and it actually sounded like a bass guitar like it sounded really (laughs) good and then um we played we jammed that for you know a good two minutes and we did like i think we did four songs we did three or four and we were well received um and what ended up happening was this other guy got up and then he played a couple of uh, hendrix tunes um which i think it was the anniversary of his death Yes. Um, yes. You couldn't which, get away from it on social media. Actually, when when it when it came up, one of the one of the hosts mentioned it to me. I was like, "Well, I'm definitely not playing uh, Purple Haze tonight," because out of reverence, I wouldn't play this person's music. I don't think we need to celebrate them on the day of their death. I think we need to celebrate them on the day of their birth, right. um, which is a whole other thing. And that's just the way I feel about it. Um, so, um, out of remembrance, I chose not to. But I did play my set because um, there was enough space at the end of the night. It was like 11:30. Uh, I put my looper on the floor and it never ceases to amaze me when you go to one of these places and you have a looper pedal or you have tracks or whatever. And they, they look at you like you're nuts. Like, Oh, you are just gonna use that looper pedal. And it's got like all your stuff in it. And then you hit go and they're like, Oh, I see now. And they actually took some time to mix it and like put, you know, put it together real well. And, and uh, I just, I went nuts and like, it went really well. And uh, I met a bunch of people at the end of the show. Like a bunch of people came up to me and, um had a long conversation with uh, one of the hosts and actually the sound guy that runs their professional stage after the uh, after the show and got some new got some new show listeners while I was there. Um mm-hmm. that's another thing I need to work on is like oh, welcome, how do we listeners. promote the show while we right. promote ourselves and vice versa. So how do we promote ourselves? I am show? so bad at that. So um, which probably is a perfect segue into talking about all the things that the Fractical Guitarist Podcast offers our listeners. If that is correct. If you don't recall, we have a Facebook group. You can find out all sorts of information about what we offer our listeners in our pay, or in our Facebook group, but we also have a Patreon. You can search for us on Patreon. You'll find the show. Um, we don't care how much you donate. We don't care if you donate. If you do donate, it's great because we can uh, keep the lights on here, which is something that we uh, we are still paying out of pocket to keep the podcast running. Um, yep. but we And we will for the foreseeable future. But if yeah. you feel so inclined to help us out with that, uh, that's great. We also we have um, a Threadless store. Um, and of course, you can find all of this information in the group.
1: So. And if you go to the Threadless store, what you'll find is some interesting stuff. Not only will you find polo shirts and t-shirts and things like that, but you'll find the, um, the Pyramid of Tone, which if the you have not hierarchy seen... Of the, t-shirt, a hierarchy of
0: Tone t-shirts. Hierarchy
1: of Tone, which if you have not seen the Pyramid of Tone or Hierarchy of Tone, I like car- the, the Tone Pyramid. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen that t shirt, I've had people ask me about it when I go to uh, to get I need to re- wear it to more gigs. Um, I, I, I actually have it hanging because I hang it instead of like folding it like modern t shirts because I want to look good right. when, I, when I go out because it's already rumply enough with me in it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that's a lumpy shirt. No, that's just Dude. me. Um, so. <laughs> so my wife, she sees this video of me playing at Brower House the other night. Yeah. And uh, that was shot by the sound guy, by the way. Uh, the, the guy from the main stage, um, who nope. actually got up on stage with me and played afterwards. He was like, you're not going anywhere. He's like, we're playing together. And That's he comes cool. up and, uh, he starts playing the bass ukulele cause he's a bass player. Right. And, uh, I just launched into the trooper. And so the whole, oh, the that. whole band just jammed out the trooper, like just out of nowhere. It was, like, it was really good. Um, I wish I was there. Cause I would have, I would have blasted out the vocal. And it was it. awesome. It was really awesome. Um, but the, uh. I forget where I was going with this, but the, the hierarchy of tone t-shirt, like that's a cool thing. And I've had a lot of people yep. talk about it. my wife was seeing this video and she goes, she goes, you look like such a dad. Like you shouldn't be playing this music when you're, when you're, oh. dress, when you're dressed like that. Ew. And I finally just, I just don't care. Anymore. Like at this point, I think I, I I've been doing a lot of thinking about, it. I was like, well, I can modify the way I look or I can surprise the hell out of people and keep surprising the hell out of people by getting up there and play the music I play with the way I look. You know, people that's expect me to it be looking. like either a blues guy or john mayer you know no, like that's and then they get up there and really play fun. like some metal and like that kind of thing yep. and it just it totally throws awesome. people yeah so um I, so we did uh
1: we did a comfortably numb and of course comfortably numb at the end of it you can do a long beat oh yeah, her, yeah right you know, right the out of that the outtake of that is just great so we took three people we did it so um the one guy did a solo the guy I played in another band with, and then another dude took a solo, and then I took a solo, and then we kind of soloed together and went out. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'll tell you, you know, the thing that that impressed everybody—that they came up to me afterwards about—it wasn't the soloing, which was good; it wasn't the, the 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 other stuff, which was good. The thing everybody said was, "That's the first time we've ever heard anybody actually scream when they did the, you know." Yeah, it's just a little pin prick. <laughs> it's like.
0: That's really funny. And I did
1: the big scream, right? Of course I back way away. Yeah. I'm smart enough not to do right That's what you're about.
0: supposed to do.
1: Yeah, I back way off. And and people were like, Holy crap, you actually screamed that. That was incredible. And I, then they were like, And your voice was fine afterwards. I said, Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. It's kind of how that works. Um you, you just know how to scream without like tearing your voice up. It's a it is a learned thing, I
0: suppose. But. So, um, for anybody who's thinking about dipping their, their toes in the water of doing these open mic things, I mean, if you live in a major city, you can find yeah. small, low key ones.
1: Yeah, that's um, the thing to start out
0: with. Yeah, that's what I would do. But I'm like, I mean, to be completely honest with you, um, I've had. Good enough success. I'm not. I'm not intimidated at all now to do that kind of stuff. No, like,
1: no. I do them at some big venues. We've had, as you saw by one of the ones I posted, we've had some people. That guy had a thirty thousand dollar video equipment setup. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be doing it again um, October eighth. But let me tell you. So <clears throat> um, the uh, the thing to remember, folks, is you're always good enough. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how new you are. You're always good enough for an open. At some mic. point you have
0: to learn to do it. So you Talk just got to gotta get it. up there and do it. I mean, I bombed. We talked about when I bombed, yeah. um, because <laughs> I was totally unprepared, yeah, were, um, yeah. which by the way, that open mic is great, man. Cause I went up there, uh, and there was nobody there. There right. was like maybe five people in the whole club at bar. Is it? I mean, it's a bar. Uh, let's, right. let's call it what it is. And then, uh, Jack Byron's the host. Um, he shows up, and uh, uh, Professor Blue shows up. He's the other guy that that performed with me before. And dude, that one was the one that that like really really got my wheels turning though because I got my camper all set up, and this week I dominated. Like I just went, all right, we're gonna yep, play my music, it. and that's what we did, and it was great. And everybody was paying attention who was there, which was like all three of them. Uh, there's like yep. the bartender, and then like the owner, and maybe one other person, um, and. I got like because I had my rig set up and there was nobody there. I ended up jamming with uh, the host most of the night, and yeah. uh, played a bunch of songs that I probably should know, but I don't. Um, but it was, dude, it was a good night, and um, I'm totally stoked to go back. And I, I although I told them I would promote the uh, the open mic on the podcast. That's the podcast, or that's the open mic over at um, at Work Sports Bar and Grill in Elk Grove Village. Um, nice. It's on Monday. It, it's on Tuesday nights, uh, from like eight to eleven or, or eight to midnight. Um,
1: this is the Chicago area. Folks. Yeah, yeah.
0: So if anybody's listening and you're in this area and you want to go out and you know party at a at a low key open mic, that's a great place to go. Um, highly recommend it. And uh, the host there is really good. He's a nice dude. Um, and so is the uh, most of the performers I've met there have been really great too. Um, we this is only their second week doing it. So, um, yeah. If you're, Wait, if you're interested, give, you want give details, the to hit me up. I'll tell you. Um,
1: Yeah. Or tell your friends. Right. Um, yeah. So next, uh, um, this podcast will air Wednesday. So, um, the 30th of October, September, I am hosting open mic at, uh, in Chesapeake, Virginia, at a little place called tap it local. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where bring what you think you need Um, I provide a PA (laughs) and that's the end of it (laughs) and microphones. I provide microphones. So you're, you're, and I only provide two, but um, we've had full bands. It's a big stage. We've had full bands show up. Um, Usually when I host it, you know, acoustic musicians, but it's one of those things that this is one of those open mics that, that made me say what I did earlier about uh, you never not, you're always good enough because Um, When I go there, there's people there that they stare at the sheet of music. They don't look up and they're playing. But let me tell you something. Anybody who puts somebody like that down needs to remember they got the guts to get up there and play. Yeah, where are you at? That's what the open mic is all about. It's not a competition. You're not winning $10,000. You're not playing to 50,000 people. You're playing with like nine people. Half of them under the age of twelve, <laughs> they're yeah. eating chicken chicken wings or whatever on the side and and you're there to to have a good time and that's what it's all about, but it's to let you get your toes in the water. you know it's the same thing when you learn how to swim. you didn't just jump in the water and suddenly you were you know absolutely doing olympic sized pools you were you were a little bit. And you know, intimidated. I remember my son calling it the big water. He said, Dad, I don't know if I can go in the big water. I said, You can do it, buddy. Well, I don't
0: so I never and it was just a pool. <laughs> having gone to have met as many of them as I have over the years now and like kind of getting a feel for um the whole situation, I obviously there are some people that that are not using this as a stepping stone. Like this is this is the extent of where they want to be. And um yeah. That's fine. Like I my my struggle is and I and I feel really bad about it is I have ADHD and I'll sit there in the audience and I just can't pay attention to somebody who's not like on, you know what I mean? And right, it's right. It's a lot more difficult. And I try I try yeah. and I guess that's the best I can do. Um but I feel bad for anybody who, who listens to the podcast who's been to one of the open mics where I've been and like kinda of like well, he was he was looking at the cell phone during my it's not your fault. Well, it's trust me. First of all, <laughs> it's my fault. It
1: wouldn't matter if you were Joe Satriani, uh, yeah. I'd still probably I probably at still be checking phone. in
0: my cell phone every once in a while anyway. It's just
1: who I am. It, it, and and <clears throat> that's kind of the the society that we are. I get up there and I'm one of those, you know, uh I make eye contact, I look I look all the way out. We do this place called Papa's Pub which has a regular pretty regular 40 50 60 people there. Um and it's an outdoor thing which is awesome. It would at first this year every time I went thunderstorm before I got on stage. <laughs> every time. He's to and, tell like, and so the band said to me cuz I also go to the band is called the Koalas. They they um while we are while we're talking about it, they host two open mics, one in uh um Virginia Beach, Kempsville. Um they they hosted it at Winking. Um and then the other one they host in Norfolk, Virginia Beach was called uh, Papa's Pub, and so anyway, they, they um, the guys, you know, I was at Kemsville. And I'd say, they'd say, "Hey, you're going to come out Thursday? Oh, I'll try to come out." I'd get out there, I'd be, I get my stuff all out of my car, get set, and then, oh, get Down your board. stuff in the car. It's about yeah. to pour, and I'd have to run my stuff back, which is why I was trying to. Anyway, long story short, I um. Uh, the the um, people that come out there are there's a lot of very top notch musicians and so when I get somebody coming up to me at these these two open mics saying man that was really nice you know good job and and they actually pay attention I'm looking out and they don't pay attention the whole time and I get it you got to check your cell phones you gotta you gotta see if your your what uh, that fantasy football team is winning or whatever I don't care about that but. um it, the fact is most of the people most of the time are either recording me which nobody ever shares these things with yeah, me. Yeah,
0: that's that's the one that kills me. Like, I've seen that too.
1: <laughs> I'm like, you know, you can find me on Facebook and I and um so <laughs> I need to. I need to have like a. I said to you the, yeah, this no, week. Yeah, we're I said, both thinking said, about it. We need a banner yeah, with like I'm our Facebook and
0: like Instagram yep. and stuff on and, and and roll it. Practical guitarist. Roll it out and so share we, this to
1: the practical guitarist. Yeah,
0: just kick it off the stage so it rolls down and hangs off. Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> just, just a hashtag Practical Guitarist. We'll I've seen
0: bands that have done that too. By the way, they just they have this yeah. thing that like they just roll off the stage real quick right before they start yeah. playing. It, yeah, and it's really open for like cool. three songs. You're going. Yeah. Is that really necessary, but then you're kind of thinking like, yeah, no, it totally is because they have to market well, themselves. That's marketing now. it's uh it's done
1: that way, you know that so you know how and you so, know how I gauge yeah, go
0: ahead. you know how I gauge success at these events, though, like if I go mm-hmm. to an open mic and they're usually the bar is not facing me, like it's facing away from the performer. If I can make people turn from the bar to watch me, that's that's exactly that's how going. I feel like I'm doing it right. You know what I mean? Yep. If I can get
1: a few people to turn around. Even if it's for one song, I I did what I needed to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I entertained. So now that I'm gonna have a product to hand people, that's gonna make this all that much better. You know, like say, Hey, you can find my music on iTunes and then I can get some I can get some statistics on who's looking at my music, you know, how many people are looking at it and stuff, and then find out well, even if, if it's actually really yeah. working or if it's not.
1: Well, even if you couldn't get like one of those iTunes cards, I guess those would be useless. But if you had a card. Yeah, that's something, a business a card, card with my. Card, with, my, right? with, my yeah.
0: you know, with your iTunes well, and
1: Pandora and My Spotify name, and you
0: know, everything. find me on this, this, and this, and then maybe my Facebook uh, page. Because <clears throat> lately I've had a lot of people
1: asking me about, you know, finding the podcast. And I'm like, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't listen to podcasts. Yep. So I have to be more, much more, I, I'm thinking to myself, well, are you got a business? Podcasts friends? have been around since. Yeah, I've got our business cards. Are, That's. Are, I was just
0: there are you out or I didn't know?
1: No, I got, I got some. Okay, matter of fact, I, I put one up every time I go to Guitar Center, mm-hmm. and
0: people take them. Yep. Every I time you come, every time them. you do, you, you put one up, and then it's gone I I come put back. A new one up, and so I, I do go the
1: there this. So speaking of Guitar Center, I was there today.
0: When are you there, Jim? It's I saw new. this.
1: I saw the most hilarious thing. I want to get a picture of me with it. I forgot to ask one of the guys to take a picture of me. I'm gonna selfie it or or have somebody I'm gonna do the dad selfie, which means somebody else is gonna take the picture. Um anyway. Um a 24 speaker. Oh, I saw that cabinet. That cabinet. Like,
0: what? I gotta get a selfie with that. Why? Why? <laughs> does it come with a semi truck? It's huge. It is does it come with a semi truck, Jim? Because it no. should. It needs a motor, so you can just. Is there like a road crew that comes with it? I mean, I mean, I've seen lawnmowers that have self-propelling. Parents. There's some. Uh, there are some things that are just like totally unnecessary, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um twenty-four
1: speaker, and I can't believe they took it in on trade. I, I want to say it's like seven hundred dollars. I'm like, you have got to, be yeah, because you gonna buy it out. That? I mean, <laughs> you can't. Yeah.
0: Anyway, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. Um, gear wise. I mean, i there's a couple things I've been looking at. Um I don't think I'm gonna do any of them though. So that was the one thing, uh Brower House, their stage setup, their back line was uh, a pair of um Mustangs, V twos. Yep. Uh Fender Mustang V2s. And um the the so, or the the host was telling me, he's like, Yeah, dude, he's like, These are actually like really good amps. And like I I kinda knew the reputation. I don't think I'd ever yep. actually plugged into one. Um and My impression was this, like, yeah, they're, they sound really good without pedals, like without anything plugged into them. Right. Um, and, and I'll say this, the speaker was worse than the direct out, the direct out, like the signal that was coming out of front of house was way better than what was coming out of the speaker. Um, but the funny part was that I was running a pedal and I just kept thinking like, wow, this sounds terrible. And then I heard the video afterwards and I was like, no, it sounded exactly how I wanted it to sound. Like, yeah well like, because what? because when yeah. it came
1: out of the direct out it wasn't destroyed by that internal speaker. that internal speaker is
0: just yeah well i mean oh. now the guy the, the guy that hosts he says um he says he's got a collection of vintage vendor amps and he says i i put them up against one another and he said they, they both sound reasonably similar and he said i actually prefer the feel of the mustang v2 to the to the like the original vintage amps and i could see somebody saying that um that's not like i don't have any negative opinion of that i could definitely because oh. i there have been situations where I'm like, you know, I kind of prefer the feel of the model to the real amp. And yeah, um, it's not, it's not something that's happened frequently. I think uh, the safer bet is the tube amp over, over the digital modeling equivalent, but um, there have been situations. You don't have, well, and there have been situations where that's not necessarily true. Um, So I took my Marshall for the first time in
1: a long time to the open mic this week. mm -hmm. And everybody was like, man, that thing kicks.
0: Yeah, well, I love but that's it. the thing, like they're so used to you, you go to these open mics and it, uh, so much of it's like direct now. People are so used to hearing that, that like when they hear a real amp, they're like, whoa, um, I, I I backlined the last couple of situations I'd been to uh, with the those Mustangs on Wednesday, um, my Kemper. Right. Yep. Um, so they didn't even have like the at work bar and grill does not have any sort of amplification set up for, for guitar and then that the other one at mugs they had uh they had, katana, they had a katana 50 i mean mm-hmm. that's which that's not horrible it wasn't no it was it was terrible that's- but but i was not prepared and like my pedal was not adjusted properly and it sounded really bad to me um it probably mm-hmm. sounded better through front of house though cuz yeah. now i'm realizing like in a yeah. lot of cases the front of house the direct signal coming out of these things is better than what comes out of right. the speaker so yep. It, you know, it, I guess the speaker just becomes a personal monitor. I I mean, yeah, i it's still like kind of flabbergasted because it's not the way it used to be, you know? Um, right. Right. It used to be, Oh, the, the,
1: the emulation is going to suck, but at least it's there if you need it, <clears throat> that type of thing. There. So what was funny is, and cause you were talking about the, the, um, the tube amp thing and an open mic. So, The three people that the myself and the two other guys that were doing the solos during Comfortably Numb, one guy is using a Fender Deluxe. I'm using the Marshall, and another guy is using a Boogie. And it just it sounded so good because it was so different. I mean, when I yeah, those are three very different character amps. I mean, yeah, when the Fender came in, it sounded you know crisp and clean, and and of course he had a, a tube screamer in front of it and was. He likes to have that just at the edge breakup sound, which was fine. Sounded really good Stratocaster through that, and then I was pumping the um, SG through um, the Marshall, which sounded very, which I wanted. I wanted very Angus Young, you know, kicking type sound. And then the other guy was pushing a Strat too, but he was pushing it through the Boogie, and the Boogie sounded really like just for me a the boogie is like um almost creamy like a like a like a sauce you know what i mean it's just it's good that's all i can say it's really good sure sure and but it doesn't have that british um high end you know what i'm talking about it
0: and of course yeah i i, I do um i think mesa boogies are kind of like somewhere in between those two amps uh yeah. in general i would say that the uh the treble characteristics of a Mesa boogie are slightly more attenuated. I don't think it's like insanely attenuated. And if you have one with no, a five-band, no. you can dial it back in. Yeah. Um,
1: <clears throat> oh, we had these amps cranked. No, no, no but I mean
0: with the five band, I'm amp, just saying with the five-band EQ, like you can add that yeah, back yeah. in and it's it's yep. easy to do in a snap. But the um I I don't so I think boogies are actually closer to fender amps than a lot of people yeah. care to realize. I think and they're I think a bit that's fatter. A yeah, well, they yeah. they've tweaked them to have a lot more character around like four hundred between four hundred and six hundred hertz that you typically get yep. on a Fender amp. Um, yep, so it gives it that. Yeah, roundness. It's kind of like the the low mids of a of a Marshall coupled with you know the rest of the characteristics yep. of a Fender. That's the way I think of it.
1: And it also takes off that little bit of high end that
0: the Fender gives. Yeah, to, I mean, um, there's definitely a roll off around five thousand and up, which is yeah, which is not good. there in in Fenderland either. Right. Um, so. But yeah, that, I I mean that's kind of the reason why I prefer uh, Mesa Boogie's because I think the I think the frequency spectrum is a lot more refined than you get in a Marshall yeah. or a Fender. However, I've been Fender, I've been uh, Fendering, I've been favoring a lot of uh, Marshall amps lately. So, um, yeah. actually, that is one thing that I might end up getting just to have like a combo amp. Um, and I'm kind of thinking about getting another Marshall Class Five. Cause that would be perfect for these little open mic things where if and when they don't have, you know, a channel of the PA or I can just, you know, that's actually faster probably to set up than the Kemper is, uh, plug it into the wall, plug into it, turn it on and done. done. Um, but that being said, uh, I don't, I mean, it's still the same pain in the butt to carry it around and all that. I, I, I'm having a hard time, like thinking of anything that's more convenient than something like a Kemper or some sort of floorboard. So um, yep. the HX Stomp is actually on my my radar again. Um, yeah. And so is the... It uh, has a series of preamps with uh, cabinet modeling and two channels. Yep. And those yep. are probably what I'm going to end up with because they're cheap.
1: They got a... Somebody must have bought every one of them because our music go-round has, like, all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. They probably <laughs> bought them all and then they picked the one they wanted to keep and then yep. just sold them. And then
1: returned the rest or sold yeah, the rest whatever. off, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, how good those things are either. And it's, it's more or less just like to have it in my bag. If I go to an open mic for the first time and I want to make sure that like I'm covered. Um, the other thing is if I do these city open mics, I really can't cart my Kemper around. Uh, cause you have to park on the street and then you might have to walk a mile or whatever to get to the venue. And I don't really want to, I don't want to chance it. You know, I don't want to take a chance on, uh, my stuff getting ripped off or whatever. So it makes more sense to. Have like
1: so of, I want have to talk to track. that for a minute. So when you're at an open mic, and this happened this week to me, um, we had a guy that kept walking around to everybody and was like, "You like SGs, really? Because because I can get you some good SGs. I can I can show you some really good stuff." And then he was talking to another guy. "You like Fenders? I I've got some great Strats and tellies. And I'm like, "This guy is either stealing stuff or having fakes imported." And then. He was, um, you know, because everybody kind of puts all their gear together. Yeah, and then he's he's hovering
0: around it. Yeah.
1: He was hovering it way too much. And I was the one guy that he didn't talk to because I kept my eye on him. And then when he started hovering, I walked all the way around because this was like an outdoor gig. Yeah. It would have been easy for him to snatch a cup and run. And as long as nobody's looking, he would have been gone. And so I walked right behind the drummer on the outside where he was standing. How you doing? And I came, kind of gave him a look because he was. What he did was when I put my gear in the car because I took my stuff out of the car. I played. I put my stuff back in my car. It, it, it's convenient that way because of where it was. It's not. <laughs> that's not the case in almost everywhere you go, folks. You will not find where you could park literally right next to the stage, um, especially an open mic. Yeah, and uh so anyway, I had my stuff in my car. He kept hovering my car. Kept going around my car. Yeah. And I, and I was like, "Dude, what the I F?
0: would have, I would have gone to the club owner and I've been like, "Yeah, what's this dude's deal? You guys need to talk to him." Yeah. Because yeah. because to be honest with you, like they they could be held oh. liable for that. Yeah. So so I no. no, no. I kind of scared him off. Yeah, I so I haven't had any experiences like that yet. Um but I, I religiously guard my gear, like it never leaves my sight. Okay. I mean, I had, I yep. did have my guitar. It was sitting on another table, but it was like literally in my eye line, and that's why I did it. Because if I put it next to me, I would have to face the stage, and then I wouldn't have my, and if I, and if I was to do that, I would have had my hand on it. But I, right, I didn't want to do that, so I was like, I'll put it over here on this other table that nobody's using, right, right in front of the stage, right in front of my eye line. Nobody's walking yep. out the door without me knowing about it, and right. that's not just like. If you're going to steal something, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, who's ever considered doing this, which I highly doubt that any of our listeners have, yeah, I got um, it. You got to be stupid if you're going to steal gear from musicians. Yeah. Like that is the dumbest, that is the lowest value item, and and we're the first ones to know all our serial numbers. So, right. why would you do that? I have a picture of every single serial. Yeah, number so do I.
1: My guitars in my phone.
0: I have I have stuff <laughs> I don't even own anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I um, here's the other thing. So, that that is kind of scary. The, the um, when I was playing in a in a band, um, my wife would be in the audience most of the time, right? And so I would I would be on stage, and this guy was eyeing my Rickenbacker, my bass, and he kept looking at it and looking at it. And I was like, uh, and he came up and he goes, "Man, I got a I got a Rick just like that. Oh, it's nice." You know, I'm being polite. And then he's like, "You mind if I play yours?" No, if no. If you have one mind. like it,
0: why would you want to play mine?
1: <laughs> yes, I, yes, I mind, and no, you're not playing it. And uh, he kept, he kept at it. And then, uh, um, I went to get a beer. My wife said, uh, "I think I'll stand next to your gear while you're yeah. getting your beer." <laughs> that
0: was- I I mean I, honestly, like I've had a lot of people who want to put hands on my gear, and they're not they're not yeah. thieves. But but in a situation like that, if the guy comes in, he says, "I have a Rick at home." Why would he want to play yours? Yeah, like that. I exactly. would be like, "Dude, go play your own. You already got one." Yeah. Like, what the hell do you want to play mine for? I had a guy. Um, he asked to play my SG, and I said, and I told him, I said, I have I have a no hands policy. Because he's like, oh, I got, oh, I have an SG at home, and I'm like, he's like, I haven't played in a long time. Um. And he's like, you might if I, and I'm like, no, I'm like, I have a no hands policy on that. I was like, we don't, we, it's too expensive an instrument to let other people touch it and mess around with it. And, uh, he was respectful. He's like, no, totally get it. Totally understand. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah." I was like, it's not, it's nothing against you personally. I said, I just, I, I don't do that now. I'm like, I'm so tight now money wise. Like I won't even lend somebody a microphone or anything. It's like, no, that's (laughs) mine. Like you're not getting an SM 57 go to hell. Um, I have to – at the open mic uh,
1: Monday night, uh, I'll have to let people play my acoustic if they don't have oh theirs gosh. or if theirs isn't working. That's that bad. <laughs> but, so um, what's funny is the SG, I took it to um, – you notice I still haven't taken the plastic off
0: See the yeah, sticker Yeah, because you're just
1: thinking about selling it already? Oh, No. <laughs> But um, it is starting to bubble. I got to get it off. It's starting to, to bubble up. It, it looks like a, have you ever seen somebody's iPhone? It looks like their their cat, their, their uh, thing is broken. And it's actually. Yeah. The, yeah. It's just a screen protector. Screen protector. That's that's all. Anyway. So I handed my SG off to the guys that played SG's. Every one of them. I said, play it. Tell me what you think. Every one of you. Cause I want to, yeah. I want to differing opinions. Right. And let me tell you something. These guys were were making my SG sound so good. I was like, "All right, now I'm jealous." Yeah,
0: you're, you're sitting there. You're like, "Why did I do this? Like, this is kind of dumb."
1: <laughs> no, but it was fun, and and I did take it to one of the guys' gigs. Um, one of my friends had a gig, and I took it to the gig, and I said, "Here, play it for a set." And he played it for a set, and, and uh, then, of course, all these people in the audience were like, "That's yours? Yeah. Do you play guitar? No, no, I just buy them and put yeah, them, like, I put no, them they're just car. they're
0: just for me to like look at." um
1: so you were talking about earlier you were talking about stuff you were looking at right? yeah and the pastor today at church she looks right at me and she goes we used to have a pastor that collected guitars and she's she's giving her sermon. this part of her (laughs) and she goes we all can fall in love with guitars right and she looked right at me and i go oh yeah and she goes And uh, I used to have guitars. I used to have three. uh, She goes, I have three of them, but I haven't been able to figure out how to, how to play them all at once. She goes, how many can you play at once? I said, well, about 18.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How many you got? (laughs) Better answer. (laughs) Um, Um,
1: She just laughed.
0: The whole place went busted (laughs) up. There's like, there's like 25, 30 people there. They're all busted up. Oh, you know, so, um, that's the thing. So the, the, the whole, like, letting other people touch your guitars thing, um, the kiesel you got to put that in people's hands unfortunately because everyone asks like about that guitar and if they're a guitar player like if they're one of the performers i'm like here like just take a look at it you're gonna want it anyway so just do it (laughs) you know it's like i'm not even gonna fight you yeah um fortunately it's mostly been the hosts that are interested in it
1: yeah Um, yeah well of course i'd be interested in feeling i mean that's the kind of thing where um, uh, if I saw that, I would want yeah, to put it's my like, hands on it.
0: But it's like, you know, you're if they weren't performing, I don't want to do it. I would be like, no. Right, right, no. So, But, but, yeah, like that makes you feel so awful when you tell somebody like.
1: Well, the good thing is that most of the people, of course, you're, you're new to the scene. Most of the people that I see at the open mics, I see them week after week after week. That's why when I see a new face, I look to see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah and uh you know that and you can call me what you want but i i was in physical security so um for the country yeah <laughs> but uh, and you know we'll learn a little bit about uh, people's tactics and what they'll do to get their hands on things that you don't want them to have well we have to go we have to go through an annual training i'm gonna uh, this is kind of an aside but it's just one of those things so every year they make us go through this annual training and every year you have to you're, you're set up right they go this guy walks up to you, can I borrow your phone? And you're like, what are your, what is your answer supposed to be? And it comes up danger. You yeah. Know? yeah. Cause you, and it's, it's government right, trading, right. so You know how good it is. Right. right. <laughs> so, and then the guy, so he's, you got your phone, right? The guy goes, can I borrow your phone to check my email? And, and whoop whoop anyway, so then, um, you've got your phone next to you and he grabs it. He runs out and this says, what are you going to do? I'm like, Kicking the guy in the testicles wasn't an option.
0: So I don't know what I'm supposed to go with.
1: (laughs) Tackling him. Wasn't there. Call your,
0: uh, call your, you know, that thing
1: costs, that thing costs too much money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. So we had, we had a couple other things we want to talk about, but, um, we did you, you've seen all this stuff with, uh, uh, Henning Pauly, I guess is his actual name. Um, HP or whatever uh his his music festival thing that he put together his gear festival that he's yeah. doing i yeah so who's putting this on because that's what i want to know so it's, it's it's benefiting some sort of um animal shelter but well it looks only like one part of it was. yeah but it looks like Toman is backing this thing that's that's my guess
1: yeah but they're not so so, <clears throat> so henning put it together um, what he did was he went out to manufacturers. Uh one of them was Friedman, by the way, who was there. Yeah, I saw. He was there. And uh there was a bunch of manufacturers who put in money and from what I heard from uh what Phil McKnight said on his podcast was that um it was bare bones. Literally he just paid for the ticket for you to get there. You were like sleeping they were like sleeping in tents or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it looked
0: like it was like a mother's
1: house in his house. You know, it seemed like a pretty good get together, but it's like they had to pay like if they had luggage, they had to pay for their own luggage to go through. They had to pay for so it was very, very bare bones. Own meals, everything else. So what is the
0: point um, of this?
1: <clears throat> well, that's just it to me, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come across sounding bitter, but it's not being beam bitter so much as what I didn't see. The problem was it was supposed to be about all these manufacturers, mm-hmm. right? And I saw a bunch of videos come out, and I watched a couple, and I was like, "This, this is the same crap they put on atonement. And not only that, <clears throat> it's it's just each other, you know, like, "Hey, buddy, oh, I met, I got to meet my other buddy, oh, I got to meet my Whoa. buddy, my buddy," and then I'm like, "I really don't care. I'm not getting anything out of this, and my time." Is valuable.
0: Yeah, it looked like it was yeah. more of a friendly get together than it was like an actual. Yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing is like gear, the 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 Tolman, uh Gear University, but thing, the gear was it, th- that ended like no more than like a month or two ago.
1: Right. So, so what was the the timing of this wasn't good to me. The timing wasn't good either. <clears throat> Maybe it was because they wanted to beat the cold weather. I don't know. But I, all I could say was so. Um, I want to go to a specific point, but all I could say was it just seemed like a bunch of people who are in YouTube who were patting each other on the back, and it, and it, and there it wasn't any real like gear. It wasn't like here's here's this pedal, here's this amp. Here's the, the only one that was doing that was Friedman, and <clears throat> honestly, I didn't see any of his videos. I'm not, not really. because. Of- like don't i'm kind of over friedman about it um yeah i don't care about hands. i'm,
0: I'm kind of i'm I'm over the product i'm over i'm over the dude himself i'm over uh yeah so um interesting though like jim you I'll, I'll be honest with their listeners so jim and i took some time last week we were talking about this actually after the last episode and we we yeah. sat down and we looked at social blade and if you don't know what social blade is it's a way that you can look up um YouTube celebrities or social media celebrities. And right. you can look up their account and see how much they're making off of their, an average or a guesstimate of how much they're making off of their channel. And what right. we found was really, it wasn't shocking to me. Because I'd already been looking at it, but I think people have this tendency to believe that people like, um, well, Henning Pauly is making a lot of money doing YouTube. And that's why he's doing these events. He's, not. he's making peanuts off YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. he's making the majority of his money probably off of the suppliers sending him equipment There's, and yeah. paying him for video stuff. <clears down. throat> yeah, and plus,
1: does he do studio stuff? I mean, he he must have. Yeah, he has studio. That I that, that building
0: he's- that he's in is actually his studio. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, does he stu- do studio mm-hmm. work or does he do yes, any um and for like, like records say, for people and put down guitar I'm not, tracks I'm not, or whatever? Not, not
0: trying to insult anybody for like for like the list bands, not like you know Dream Theater, but like the people that are underneath them. Like they could come and record their that kind of thing, uh, and right. and that would be not that would be pretty normal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, and he's got so he's got a lot of work under his belt too. Like he's pretty well known for doing it. Um, and a lot of those, yeah. I mean, a lot. Glenn Fricker's another perfect example of the guy that does you know regular studio work, and that's probably how he's making yeah. his bread and butter. And his channel is making some money. It's paying yeah, some of the bills, like- but not all of them. Kind of deal.
1: Yeah, he's sharing his t- his time between L.A. and and Toronto or wherever right. he's from. But the but the thing about so Glenn Fricker is a, a great segue. So, um, few months back, you had the whole melter. I'm not going to say the word melter. that comes before it. The P melter. Um, I've uh, pedaled People Got, doesn't lost what their minds on. about People it. People lost their minds and and. Tons of people were hurt as a result of it coming out. I'm being facetious. But anyway, so I got
0: a cut on my arm and I'm waiting for a deal.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's, yep. I'm, I'm trying. But anyway, so on a serious note, it it was like it it happened and more people made a big deal out of it on YouTube than I think made. Big deal out of it anywhere else. I don't think anybody cared about it. The the pedal came and went, and most people never even saw the pedal in person. I talked to yeah, I talked to musicians all the time, and nobody had ever even heard of it. Like they were like, yeah, they knew who uh, Sasha was. Actually, no, they knew who um, the band. uh, What's his band? Steel Panther. They knew the name of the of Steel Panther. They didn't know who Sasha was. They couldn't tell you who Sasha was, and they couldn't care less. Not one bit less. Much less what pedals he uses, or what it. And and they couldn't name a, a Steel Panther song if you if you held their feet to the fire, except for one guy that I know who's like a big fan. So <clears throat> all the musicians I know, one guy. Well, and so this
0: so that's <laughs> so, the stupid part well, of this. So it's like this was something that offended people because it existed, not because they saw it, not because it was right it, offending them. And in that's, person that was or... my
1: point. That was my point if you don't make a big deal out of something it's like certain movies certain movies would have gone into the trash can like like human centipede <laughs> if a bunch of people hadn't made a big deal out of that stupid movie because that is how many how many, how many has sequels is that got now four i think oh my god it is a it, i mean the original it's movie direct video
0: trash like and then they made what a piece four of sequels out of direct video trash
1: and uh so anyway, yeah. So they make a big deal out of this thing, and it's like, oh, now, and then it sells out. Oh, good job! Yeah. You managed to sell the pedal out. Maybe if you'd have just shut up well, about it, was, it, it, it would have gone under there. And, and and it might have sold out eventually. It was going to sell out eventually. They cared. only made
0: like hundred yeah. of them or something. It was like, yeah, a, nobody, nobody cared, around. and it was right. done just nobody to kick people off. Actually, the real the real but, anger and controversy surrounding that was not the pedal; it was the stupid right. preset on the TC Electronics pedal. Yeah,
1: it started as a TC Electronics preset, exactly. It wouldn't have even become a pedal if somebody hadn't said something about the preset. Yeah, about the the delay preset, preset.
0: so then they made an overdrive of the same name. Yeah.
1: So anyway, so Fricker comes out, and he says, you know, hey, and he calls Reverb on it, which I call, I, I mean, we're not as big, but we said something about Reverb, you know, hey, look at all these pedals that are also on Reverb. And they're not saying anything about it, but it is their it is their company, and they do have a right to say what is or isn't sold on their company, right? Um, it, it's representative of their company. So they decided to take that one off. their you can't list it on Reverb. You can list it on that. Right. Well, then Reverb had told Heading Poly that they were going to. They weren't. I don't know if they were putting any money into it. I don't think they were putting no, money I think into they were doing it. They're just money to the hosting. Or something. They were hosting a
0: an auction for the show. Oh, shelter, Is that what it was? Is what they were doing.
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> they were gonna host the auction and that would do it. But they said, if you're gonna bring um, if you're gonna have Glenn Fricker there, we don't want, we don't want it. <clears throat> we don't want to be part of it. And Henning Polly said, no, he's my friend. I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna turn my back on my friend. So <clears throat> I'm going to have to decline. And then they pulled out. They pulled out of the thing, and then eBay wound up sponsoring the um the whole thing and putting up <clears throat> you know making a big deal out of hey look at that and i'm just wondering if any of our listeners even knew that now that it's over yeah
0: did you even yeah. know it or care well other than robert i know robert's I think, guitar i dungeon think some board. other people I, I think some of the other podcasters talked about too but um you know I, i'm gonna be completely honest here like this is one of those situations where people can get mad at they if they want to at Reverb for for deciding that they don't want to partner with Glenn Fricker. But let's right. let's st- let's take a step back. Let's forget about the P-Belter for a minute, right? Let's take a step right. back and let's talk about Glenn a little bit and then why yep. Reverb wouldn't want to necessarily be identified with that guy. Um yep. so Glenn Glenn is an avowed atheist. And I yes. have seen him in person make comments to someone else who is a you know who who actually is p-dubs and and builds equipment he likes his equipment i'm not going to say who the individual was but he was basically like starting to make some anti anti um christian sentiment and uh this person and the other person that were having the conversation basically just turned their back to him and uh he kind of got frustrated and walked off um because they were like we're not going to listen to you like we we don't even care right. like you can make your anti-christian comments all day long we don't care right. um and so it was <laughs> exactly. like you know they ignored him and he, he stormed off but but this is this is pretty well known like he has an issue with people who are christian and right. who and he who does, do you think? he does that on his podcast all the time if you're reverb his- who do you think the majority of the people you're selling to on your service are at least a a, a, a good portion if not majority that's right. P dubs people. P dubs. I mean right. where do you think the money is? Yeah. So right now. That's... Do you think they want to ruffle the feathers of a community of people that's driving, you know, the sales of their site? I don't. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, right. at the same time, I think him being at an event is not the same thing as him being a host of an event. Um, and so they yeah. they probably should have done it anyway. But they probably should have,
1: <clears throat> but here's my thing. if I was heading, and if I had a choice between the two, I think I probably would have said, "Look, man, you're my friend. I hope you understand why I have to ask you to
0: step back. I mean honestly, like Glenn, Glenn is not a bad dude, and that's why I kind of side with Glenn on this huh? one because I'm like i I've met the guy, yeah, he's a little abrasive, but it, Glenn, Glenn's somebody you can get along with, and yeah, he may not represent you, but he doesn't have to. Um,
1: No, but he, but he does have to represent product. He was there to
0: represent products, but he's not there to represent Reverb. True, but
1: I think, and I'm, you know, we, by the way, folks, we're both. We have to take
0: two yeah. sides. So I don't think that this is, yeah, this is more or less, this anyway, is more or less the, uh, yeah, this is where I have to take a side. I'm not going to say which side. I'm not going to say if I really agree with my position here or not, but right. And I'm sure that, that, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, everybody's like, Oh, well,
1: see Dave's Dave's more politically correct than Jim is. No. Um, no, but anyway, <laughs> probably <yeah>. not. <laughs> um, I can say as a Christian and I'm not one of those devout Christians. I'm not knocking on your door yeah. asking you if you're all right with God and all that stuff. Um, but I will, you know, I, I love you as, a, as an individual and as a human being. Um, the The thing that um kind of takes me aback with this is that there have been things that Glenn Fricker has said. I'm like, you're just trying to get it, it's like people trying to get people to hate you. He abuses his to a, He to abuses show. his atheism to get money. Yeah. And, and I, right. And he's abusing his hatred of bass players to get money half the time. Too.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I think some of it's just tongue in cheek humor, too. But I think the other, but I think the Christian thing is like, if I say this, I know this is going to give me an extra thousand, thousand views on this video.
1: Yeah. Listens. Yeah. Like, I, I, he's going after I, he listens. And I got no problem with it, but I, I, I don't want to. Come on, everybody's gonna try to do something. To look, get yeah, it's I just don't the, have a problem
0: with you being an atheist. I don't have a problem with you being a Christian. I just don't right. want you to force your beliefs down my throat, regardless of which side of right. the aisle you're on. And so exactly. I totally get it when people are like, Yeah, Glenn makes me feel really uncomfortable and uh, I don't like him for that reason. And like I totally understand. Um, but that's not to say that he isn't a, a useful resource in some cases, and some videos some of his videos actually contain some some really useful stuff, like where he talks about yeah, making a- sure that you get paid. <laughs> you know, right?
1: oh, I listen to his stuff most of the yeah. time. Um, the only time I don't listen to it is when I know it's going to be inflammatory, I'm like, okay, okay I can skip. That. Yeah, but um, if it's uh, uh, probably 95 percent of his videos, I listen to him, and so I you know, it's the very few very far between where I'm like, okay, he's listen- he's trying to be inflammatory. I don't want to give inflammatory people my view, right, And that's my you know that's my take on it. Um, that said, I'm looking to try to make an inflammatory set of views. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you know what's funny is so I I can't remember who it was. Oh, so there's this comedian I listen to, um, and I won't I won't name the channel, but <clears throat> he does this um, every year. He puts out so his his top ten worst songs video will come out later this year soon, and I love his stuff. I love his comedy. It's a Canadian guy. Um, anyway, somebody asked him, they said, why don't you do a, a top 10 good songs, songs because you like, cause I used to, and nobody listened to him. I get tons of listens on the, on the top 10 worst songs and I get no listens on the top 10 good
0: songs. Well, I guess that goes back to the same argument that we've had with, um, um, Stevie T, you know, people, people are hating yeah. Stevie T right now because he's doing all these fails videos and stuff like that. And I I think they're hit or miss. I think some of them, like if it's a justified celebrity, like if you're going to make fun of Marilyn Manson's guitar playing, like that's totally acceptable. And I think, I think even he behind the scenes would laugh at that. Um, But you you know what I mean? Like if you're going to, if you're going to make fun of somebody that's got like a physical problem or some sort of mental issue, um, that's sort of an issue with, with that kind of stuff. And so you have to kind of toe the line, but um, Especially somebody with social issues. Like I think has. it was interesting when we were doing but, our social blade discovery, though. Yeah, but that's the thing, Stevie T. Who's is making who is, a living and, on this? Glenn <laughs> Fricker is not. Ma- he's making about handing Pauly money, right? Like enough to supplement their income, but not enough to like pay the bills. Whereas um, Stevie T. is making enough that he's probably making more than most of the people that listen to our podcast in their day jobs. That's right. I mean, monthly. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. More. Um, and. Yeah, there were very few guitar players. Jared most died. of the most of the people that that are considered a guitar YouTuber in the in the gear side of things are not making the money. Even um, who's uh, the the big guy, um, the one that uh, we we're just talking about him. I know your gear. Oh, what's his name? Oh, Phil, yeah, Phil night, I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised even how close making there. To he must be money. doing a
1: lot better in his Patreon because it's. Not even you know what, and, and- I would not be able to live. I know he's got kids, he's got a wife, he's got you know a house. He he closed his business and went full time video. So it's got to be from the from the paid um,
0: uh, you know uh,
1: demo stuff that he's getting and the uh, and the patrons because there's just no way from yeah from he doesn't emails. he
0: doesn't publish his uh, even his highest patronage number, which is. Yeah. You know, we we publish ours. Um, yeah. Oh, don't worry, folks. You don't have to worry. <laughs> right. Uh, we don't. <laughs>
1: the IRS is not coming after either. Yeah, of us. We're, we're,
0: yeah, that's not even an issue at this point. Um, someday it might be, but we got to make more than twenty dollars. Right. Um, we might make we might make a hundred dollars this year, Jim. I mean, yeah, we might we might I, make that's $100 more than I intended to make on this show, but um, <laughs> so I I mean. I just think it's funny. I think it's funny that we put a lot of clout behind these people, but when you really stop and think about it, the advertising companies don't care that much because YouTube is not paying them very much, and YouTube is an advertising company now. I mean, that's that's essentially what they become. So if you really stop and you think about that for a minute, it 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 puts a puts a nice little bow on uh, these events, these YouTube events. Like I know that I know the purpose behind them is like to develop more YouTube content so that these people can all stay afloat. Or to grow their channels, right? But I just don't see like the. I don't want to call it ego stroking because that's not really what it is. And we had a We had a not so nice term for what was going on with this event, but I'm not. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but basically, there's a lot yeah. of back padding going on here, and everybody's patting each other's right. back, right? And so. Right. Um, I think it's good for the, you know, good for the gander, but I don't necessarily know that it's good for the goose, and I don't know that it's necessarily yeah. good for <clears throat> good for viewers because I watched it and I like Honestly, I didn't see anything in the content that I was like, oh yeah, I really want to watch this. Uh,
1: my thing was th- the whole purpose of it was so that you would find out about new
0: gear, and not one video that I saw. There is, but but, that, but that's the thing. A desire so, for so new gear. It's not music, massa. It's not Nam, It's not um, GearFest. Th- th- this, no. this is not an event about new gear. This is about podcasters talking about gear. This is about gear. But that's casting, just it. Okay. Henning literally said, that's just it though.
1: Henning literally said on his um, interview on Tone Talk that he was, this was about small companies and, you know, companies that were willing to pay the money to get podcasters that have gear channels to go over. Gear and I didn't see that, and maybe it's maybe it's a failed event, yeah. And it's a possibility because, um, I saw a thing where some people got donuts, I saw a thing where they said something about who's the best and the worst guitar player. I saw, um, that that was pretty much Uh, it. I mean, there was no just not interesting, and um, I I, I don't know, It, it seems to me like like if you're going to do that cuz the other thing that he got slammed on to talk about political correctness in the other way he was he, he was like how come no women and some uh somebody pulled out because he didn't have any women and he was like well I don't have any gear podcasts that are women centric i mean mary spender pretty okay, much yeah. but that's yeah but okay so that's right everybody said well mary spender and she's relatively local to him
0: Maybe not she as far wasn't away available.
1: As no, she. he said no, because she, her her channel is not a gear channel. It's about her music. All right. And All right. so that was where – no, hold on. I'm not saying that he's right or wrong about that. I'm not. What I'm saying is, but I saw a lot of people there. That,
0: where was the gear? I was going to take his side in it and basically say, well, I mean, he's kind of right. There's not a lot of women gear channels. There used to be more, oh. actually. Um, I remember there was a there was one called Fuzz Goddess for a while, um, back mm-hmm. when Gearman dude was around. And um, in fact, I think they did some collaborating stuff. And then there was, uh, yeah, I mean, there were. I think there were a couple of others, but they, I mean, they they just don't stay in the game very long. And that's, you know, what I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be honest with you. The whole gear podcasting thing and the whole gear like community is really boring to me now. Um,
1: and it's really yeah yeah me too you can only watch so many fuzz pedal videos or overdrive pedal videos the other day I'm, I was looking at the the overdrive selection and it's just eventually the bubbles gotta burst yeah.
0: and, and and 80% and, of them are tube screamers yeah and if they're not the clons. yeah and yeah they're like 80% tube screamers 10% clons and then 10% original you know or, or variations on the rat <laughs> And then, if you got fuzzes, they're fuzz faces, or they're they're, fuzz faces are muffs, and there's nothing in between. Yep. There, I mean, there's very, and there's very vomit. few. Like, there are. I, I say that. I mean, like Earthquaker Devices puts out a lot of different fuzzes and stuff, but but the vast majority of that stuff is all based on either a muff or a fuzz face, and then you might get a tone bender here and there. Um, and yep. look, I mean, that's just the way the world operates. Like part of me is part of me is like i I got interested in gear and stuff because it was a stopgap to keep me from playing out. you know you, and, and I, I can admit that now um so now that I'm kind of like forcing myself to stick with what I have, actually, I don't want to incorporate new things. i'm I'm terrified now because right. I'm like I have this set and right. it, it's it works, <laughs> and I don't want to add anything because the second I do something's gonna break or I'm gonna have to change things or modify <laughs> things and I just don't want to do it. Um, And the other part of the the whole situation is like, um, I think the reason why I was so obsessed with like having the right fuzz pedal was because I was like using it as a kind of a subconscious way to keep myself from actually going out and playing or going out and recording. Now that I'm sitting down Ah. and I'm doing this stuff, like today, so I recorded one song, sounded like I was drunk, right? And then I recorded, I actually... Um, started to get ready for the mastering thing, like right before we did the podcast. And I pulled out another song and I realized, I don't even have a guitar track for this. Like I have the backing track because I've been using it for for playing out. But like, now I got to sit down and I actually got to record the guitar track. So I did it in like 20 minutes. That's the first time I've ever done anything that quickly in terms of recording guitar because I have to keep myself on schedule. I can't be like, you know what? This solo really sucked. I need to come back and redo this. I just had to say, you know what? I'm going with it. This is a demo E p and like that's what this product is. It's a demo. this yeah. is not a, a studio scale recording. I'm not gonna you know spend the extra hour to get it right or the extra three hours yeah. because you can ask my wife, I mean, I showed her a list of the takes that I did for this for that song that sounded like I was drunk. There was probably five hundred or six hundred takes of different parts of the song, and I finally like you gotta you got at some point you gotta cut it loose and say, you know what I'm done. I can't do this." So, right. at some point, you gotta publish. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, but but I think the gear thing was a way to hold me back from doing that because I could say, well, I'm not gonna record this until I get the right, fuzz. or I'm not gonna record I this think, until I have the right cabinet sound. You know. I think that I was doing that with
1: guitars. It was like, okay, if I if I put this guitar then, okay, it's not quite where I want to be. So I, I, maybe this guitar will do it. And then I, well, no, that guitar's not doing it. Maybe this guitar will do it. And, and then I had to realize that it wasn't the guitars. It was the problem.
0: Well, that, and that's, you know, that's another thing, too. is like, I used to obsess over, um, you know, should I use single coils on this, or should I use humbuckers on this or whatever? And, and now I'm to the point where I'm just like, just play the damn thing. Like, just play it. I'm not even talking yeah, about just tone. play it.
1: I'm talking, yeah. I'm just talking about the feel. I'm sitting there going, okay, no, nope,
0: I, I I don't quite bend the way I want to. I let me try this. Yeah, me, it's like a, and it's a, it's a guitar was a thing, and, you're, and, and, it, and it is a crutch. And the thing is, if you keep switching, you never get better at it. You never do get it, right? Right. You never do get it. So these
1: two right here are my primary, my primary. Well, the the Telly too, which
0: right, you, right, so the,
1: can't see, but Jesus, um, the SG Strat but the, the and Telly. Strat, yeah, the SG Strat Telly. That's it. And really the s g is a les Paul, so I mean, you know for me, and that's that's what I'm gonna be for quite some time. I mean i got to get the kemper at some point um so I can make things a little easier on myself um
0: but that's yeah. it. I would wait on the kemper yeah. until it gets stable because i'm yeah I'm well, waiting probably so March. Know, here's the here's the i'm gonna get i'm gonna i know this is very kemper specific but we're gonna talk about it because I think it's relevant to talk about um the Kemper yep. stage, right? It gets announced, it gets released, it gets released with beta firmware. All right. Yep. And there people were complaining about various problems like certain foot switches not working or whatever. Right. And um somebody in the Kemper group, the Kemper Praise and Worship group actually posts um they post a a clip, uh or not clip, but it's like a like an email from Kemper directly, right? And in this email, Kemper says um are they the not it's not Christoph Gemper, it's the repair center they say that there is an issue there's is a software issue that is causing certain switches not to function properly and that they're taking yep. returns and they're issuing people replacements now hmm. let, let's let's back up on that for a minute so if it's a software issue that's causing this then they should be able to flash the software and then not right. replace the unit so right. my guess is that they actually have a hardware problem. Right. And they're, they're saying it's a software problem because they know the software is in beta. I have had people right. defend the position of Kemper and be like, no, it's a, it's a software problem. This is, this is why I want to use this appropriate forum because this is where I can talk and nobody can talk back to me. Right. And that's kind of nice. Um, right. but cool. yeah, it's, it's so <laughs> awful. Right. Cause you know, echo chamber, I'm hearing my own voice. Um, no, but right. in reality, um, switches are on and off. They're not how much pressure, because that's not a switch, right? That's, that's something else. Yeah. Um, it's that's on right. and off. And it might be momentary, right? So basically, if it's on, then the Kemper should say, hey, there's continuity here. And say, we're going to do this. And if it's off, then the Kemper should say, there's no continuity here. We should do this. Now, Right. obviously it's generalizing because momentary switches get handled differently. The software says, oh, I detected a blip, you know, instead of instead of on right. or off. But it's the same sort of scenario, right? And so the software, yep. if the software isn't able to detect that, then I can't imagine, that, that it could be a software issue, but I can't imagine it being something that they can't flash and fix. So, right. so right. this so- is a hardware issue.
1: <laughs> I yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go to another. So so a switch, obviously, a switch is nothing but a plunger, right? And the plunger, it, it, it completes contacts. Contacts send a signal. All right, they either have normally o's or normally open or normally closed contact um, receiver right. that says I normally open and you closed me, or I'm normally closed and you open me. All right, doesn't matter. That's that's something you you choose when you choose your switching, and that. Excuse me. And then the switch in the old days, obviously, um, that would be a signal of X, uh, it would be a square wave, right? Of X volts, right? Three and a half to five volts typically in a digital um, realm. But obviously, we're in a new realm, and I doubt very much they have to go to a full five volts, but maybe they do. Now, they might have, it, it might be software of the switch. In other words, I don't know what kind of switch they're using. So if the switch itself um, has like a little, uh, like a card on it. I can't it whatever, imagine
0: it being like that.
1: that. It can detect, or or um, the switch itself, which then it would be a software, or I mean a hardware issue. When the switches themselves are making right. contact, if you've got the, the um, when the contact is made, you're not getting enough voltage, or you're getting too much voltage. Because in in every circuit, you're going to have a protection circuit of, of for above, and then you're going to have a no detection circuit or a threshold for below. So if it's setting like three point four seven volts, it's not getting three and three point five or above to
0: five. I'm not yeah, I, I, and I don't, know and that's the making the assumption thing. that they're not all wired independently mm-hmm. and then routed back independently. I, it could be. Could I, I don't know. But I just th- this sounds like BS to me. It really does. Oh, it sounds like it's definitely a hardware thing. If
1: you're reissuing hardware, and you're said. not flashing the software. It's definitely a hardware issue, regardless of wh- if it's software of the hardware. It's a hardware so, issue. You can't fix it remotely without replacing the hardware. That's a hardware issue. Here's my thing. So I, I'm, I'm still hearing a lot of people who are saying great things about the stage. Um, and there are those who are not, it, 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 it's going to be the loudest community because the people, community of people who are that was the working thing I was say. don't care. So the loudest people are always going to be the ones that aren't working for. So yeah, I get it. And, and I'm still not going to adopt yet because I want to wait. Um, you know, there's going like to be a cemented, cemented firmware it,
0: release. Probably I would suspect right. sometime in late October, early November. That would be, that yeah. would be my thought. Because my target date has been December,
1: January, so I'm still looking at a target of december january if it if they don't have the hard firmware
0: out, I'll push it to February March, and I'll get it there i more power to you, Jim i think uh, I think you're going to be thrilled with it when you finally do get one, but um yeah, I just you know what and and to Kemper, you know like why would you ever release a product with a beta firmware?
1: That's that's another thing. I don't you know, so the any company costs, that releases a it's product. like
0: video games now where you right. buy the game before it's done. Like what <sighs> the
1: hell? Oh my god. So yeah, so um South Park made fun of themselves uh, when Ubisoft had taken all these pre-orders, right? South Park kept pushing the stick of truth. This was a few years ago. And um they they said, you know, when when you pre-order a video game, you're, you're just giving some jerk in California who hasn't even finished it yet all your money, <laughs> and it's literally like these people that that do these memes where it's like, "I heard you're going to do this, take my money," yeah. and it's like, "No, don't take my money, don't take my money." Um, people did that with uh, oh, what was the band? It, it, one of these '90s things or '80s things, uh, Salt and Pepper, or something like that. They were they were getting ready to do an album, and they they promised all these people, all these um, folks money so what was the what was the big um uh company that everybody was using for like pre-order stuff that that you could you could buy things kickstarter they were on kickstarter and they were kickstarting the album they said oh if you kickstart at this level we're gonna give you this if you kickstart at this level we're gonna give you that which by the way a lot of people nita strauss included have done really well with kickstarter i'm not i'm not putting it down but they made these promises to all these people and guess what they didn't deliver the album never came out well and so, and I don't know if it was people. If it wasn't salt and pepper, I'm just it, it, it was that, something, that kind of some stuff ra- has happened already.
0: Like it's that's not uncommon. Yeah. Um. I I wanted to point I wanted to point out that like Kickstarter is a great tool for people who are actually planning on doing something, but there's no. Yeah. I I personally, unless the product's done and I'm paying for like the product to be manufactured through Kickstarter, I would not put right. money up for it. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. For what it's worth, but. But yeah, if you're going to release something,
1: think about it. If could you imagine if you bought? I'm not saying you would, but a car with famous oh, yeah. software. Oh yeah, no, no, a it?
0: car that was like not designed yet. Like you bought it, you pre-ordered it. Yeah, and what? Um. So yeah, but but my five-year plan is to get a Tesla. By the yeah, way, oh, with so Jim, auto So Jim driving. is going to pre-order, right? Okay, he's going to pre-order a vehicle. I'm going to. I'm going to. No, they already no, have no, the I know, but to you're going to order it before the that. vehicle's done, so you're going to pre-order the vehicle. Because they're, oh yeah, I'll pre-order
1: the vehicle. Yeah. But all they got to do is manufacture, yeah. it. put a put a great big computer screen in there. It's like an eight foot. And, and, and then
0: Jim will never be able to drive more than two hundred miles from his house.
1: And then all I'll do is do my iPhone. I'm going to go take me here, and then I'm going to go.
0: You can't actually sleep behind the wheel. You will get arrested for that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, um, oh, man, so. I don't know. I'm done with gear. I'm done with gear stuff. Like we'll talk about gear on the show. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it. But man, is it boring to me. If you ever hear me doze off on the show, you'll know why. Because I just look. All you need is a drive pedal that sounds good and and an amp that sounds good. Not you need what you need, right? But once you get it, guitar. You don't have to go crazy and get super expensive stuff. I mean, it's nice to have something that's low noise and that functions. But I mean, do you really yeah. need to buy the the seven hundred and fifty dollar Univibe versus the two hundred and fifty dollar one that sounds sounds good? Just buy the two hundred fifty dollar exactly. one that sounds good. And be done with it. Don't don't go nuts anymore. It's just not worth it, especially if you're playing little club shows and stuff. Um, yep. But you know, chase the dragon as much as you feel as you care to. I guess. But for me, I'd rather spend the time working on my my chops. I just. um and that's kind of nice i i I got a lot of vindication though the last couple the last couple nights i played though because i was like hey i spent all this time woodshedding like 10 years worth of it and people actually noticed. so that's kind of (laughs) nice
1: yeah so i've been yeah i've been using my uh um i've been back at the books um and playing you know riffs and Pieces out of books, and then, and then what I'm doing is taking them, and I got my Jam Man there, which I can't see because it's off screen. But my Digitech Jam Man, the four button thing, and I got um, what I've done is I've put together these Jam tracks for myself. They're just me playing guitar to a uh, click type thing, um, and <clears throat> what I've done is said, okay, I'm gonna play A minor, or I, I say, okay, your 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 job, James, is to sit down and play A minor. For two and a half minutes play something that sounds good and i record it and i listen back and i go man you suck you are awful no but i know look, the feeling but i do I, I do at some points i go oh my god what was i thinking right there but but it, it makes it so that you know um and of course i i play different like i'll play a minor but i'm going to play different chord progressions right so it forces me to think differently in it like am i going to play a minor seven one four five or am i gonna you know do a different turnaround am i gonna do you know and where am i gonna make these things happen because like we said last week with blues if you're playing standard like boring one four five twelve bar set in stone blues that can get pretty boring
0: pretty
1: fast. <laughs> and so i've been trying to go okay what would what would Jimi hendrix do here what would Eric Clapton do here? What would J- Steve Ray Vaughn? And that's for the rhythm part. And it and it starts to get interesting because um, I wanted to say, I was I was mowing the lawn today and I was listening to the song called Spooky, right, by the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Great song. If you want to do some A minor jamming or E minor jamming, um, Spooky. Um, e minor, A minor, E minor, A minor, B minor turnaround. They're all in sevens, by the way. So um, what's fun about that song is it's Literally, just the two chords, e minor, e minor, E minor, E minor, E minor, over and over and over and over and over. So you're going for the one to the, what is that, the five? Yeah, like that. Five. One of the five, one of the
0: five, one of
1: the five, back to the, the four. I can hear it in out. my head better than I can anyway, tell you oh, one to th- <laughs> Yeah. So what I try to do is forget what they did and try to lay in what I would do, right? Um, and it's a pretty cool vamp. But anyway, I was like listening to the rhythm part because I was getting ready to make myself a track so I could play over that because that's one of the things that our band does. And um, as I was listening to it, I was like, man, there's some interesting stuff going on there rhythmically. That's why the song can do two chords and still sound cool. It's because it doesn't sound like one guy going, okay, I just have to play this chord. Now I have to play this chord. Now I have to play this chord. If you listen every single time it goes between chords, whoever it was that was playing the rhythm track, um, they play it with a different kind of feel each time. It's like funky, and then he lays back, and then he kind of pushes it. And each one is different. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to say it to people: don't be ashamed to be a good or a great rhythm guitar yeah. player, because it takes a great it's rhythm a guitar player to make a platform. For, it what's a that? Village. Yeah, <laughs> it takes a village <laughs> to make to hire an idiot, right? No. It, 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 um, when you when you're doing the rhythm thing, if you don't have a, a good rhythm that can make it interesting, doesn't matter how flashy the guitar player is over there. If you're if you have a band where you've got a rhythm guitar player, you want that. Even Jimi Hendrix um, had some really cool rhythm stuff. And when you listen to what he was playing over, I mean, obviously live it was three piece, but some of that stuff on the records, man, it just wow, it just blows your just- mind. If you really pay attention, just, to just that.
0: I, my suggestion, for one thing, if you're if you if you're getting bored, if you're trying, if you, I think twelve bar blues is perfect for people who are like, okay. no, I think uh, honestly, I think you're you're hitting the challenge right, which is that how do you take something that's so simple and turn it into something that doesn't sound like what it, what you expect it to, right, and. That's the genius behind people like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and some of these other people yep. um, over the years who yep. have been able to like figure out how to do that. And there's some I, I, I could make some suggestions, some things that you can try to make it work. Um, number one mm-hmm. is, don't play just the chords, right? Don't hesitate to slide into the chord. Don't hesitate, you know, from either direction, either up or down. Don't hesitate to play extended chords. So instead of a dominant seven, play dominant ninth, play dominant thirteen. Yep. Um, those are two really particularly good ones. Don't hesitate to um, raise or lower one note. So um, yeah. you can always get away with that. Um, you know, transition between things like use grace grace chords. Um, the other yep. thing is learn your dominant seventh voicings. I don't know how many people I go to, like, a, a blues jam or something like that, and I see it's oh the same bar chord 7th voicing for every chord that they play, right? The same voicing, and they're literally just moving up and down the neck. Or or they might yep. have the A-string voicings, you know, where the bass is on the A-string, and the E-string voicings yep. for, for dominant 7th chords, but that's it. But that's, that's where it ends, right.
1: And that's where it ends. Well, oh, it's the same with people who know power chords. They know a string, e string power chord, e a. They know a d string power chords. What about that d g b string power
0: chord? And that depends if you consider a power chord to be to include the octave. Right, a lot of people don't don't include the octave.
1: Yeah, well, and again, then you just play d and
0: g or d and b. Nevertheless, you're right. I mean, learn your voicings all over the neck. There are there, there really isn't octaves. a whole lot of use for doing them on the treble strings, but it's worth knowing because if you do want to play fifth harmony, then you know how.
1: But if you here's the trick though, here's the rub: if you want to do an inversion, it's a good idea to get those treble chords or those treble strings yeah. in there to allow you to. It's like all right, if you're going to be playing a rhythm part, let's say, all right, Black Magic Woman, which right? I played the other night. That is. <laughs> I played it and uh, I'm like okay I could sit there and I could just play D minor and G (laughs) or well D minor A minor and G All right, or I can make this interesting and that's what I did I started playing inversions but the key to knowing your inversions is knowing which inversions will clash against what the other musicians are going to do you've got to remember to sit in a pocket where your your what you're playing doesn't make it sound like you're completely off, because then you can throw
0: the the. Uh,
1: I love the guitarist, or the I love being off. dissonant.
0: Now, in very vocal parts, yeah. you really can't do it because you because you got to got to kind of make right. that work. But when you're when you're jamming like as a band, sometimes throw in those ugly voicings. And um, yeah. I I've been playing this thing where it's like a, a minor second. And I stretch so I can play the minor second down on the, the string below. And it, yep. it's ugly as hell. And people like that, but everybody looks up when you do it. And you're like, you're like, That's what right. in the hell? It's, it's like, it's like a ring mod. You know, it sounds like a ring modulator. Um, yeah. Right. Or do that, do that tritone just I, once. Yeah. I use the tritone all the time. More than just once. Um, the, well, I'm just saying, if you, if you want to get some, I use attention, some diminished chords, I use, I use diminished, uh, the diminished scale as well yeah the that's scale. what it sounds like um <laughs> yeah. but i think those things have their place and so and, and especially in a dominant seventh context so you can get you can get a lot of mileage out of tritones in in a 12 bar yes. blues and i don't think people really right. like stop and think about adding dissonance they always think about adding harmony right but they don't think about adding dissonance right and and business. that's the way that i kind of approach things is like okay so i can obviously make things sound sound good how do i make them sound bad yep. because there are times where you want like especially on the last chord of um i use an e7 sharp 9 all the time or like an like a 7 sharp 9 yeah. all the time as a turnaround chord because it yep. has just enough dissonance to like get yep. you to right. think about it but off, often i'll couple it with um with the neck, like like a half step up, dominant seventh to the de- to the de- seven add nine, you know, and and that would be a five right. seven add nine. But like that way, I I can you know play the sixth, which I believe might be a minor six. I I haven't even thought about it. Um, so you play the minor six as a dominant seven, yeah. so minor six dominant seven, and then yep. uh, five uh, seven sharp nine. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's yep. what it is. And when you do that. It has this pull towards resolution, but it's ugly as hell. And uh right, the chord quality is—you uh, know exactly. I, I know. I can see it in your face. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know where it, you know where that actually gets yeah. used. That that's in um "Shine On Your Crazy Diamond." Yes, I was just gonna say <laughs> so, that. That's right there, David Gilmore using it against uh, Rick Wright. Yeah, so, it, it. I mean, you can do this. You can you can come up with these like incredibly weird voicings for using, for, for spicing up a 12-bar blues. Another perfect example is a 12-bar yeah. blues, um, if you wanted to make it jazzier, uh, Route 66. Listen to that song. There ain't a dominant seventh chord in it, <laughs> okay? Now, I believe there is actually yeah. dominant seventh. But the point is there's like 13s, there's, there's diminished chords, there's, you know, it, it's all over the place. The voicings in that song are, are great. And all of those voicings yeah. can be used in a 12-bar blues. So if you listen to it and play with if it, you-, you can come up with some new stuff
1: if you listen to money by pink floyd that's a that's a 12 bar blues in 7 8 with some weird yeah. voicings of chords and so nothing about it when it was written when when Roger Waters wrote that he said he said i i wrote it as a straight you know 12 bar blues and what they did with it in the studio was just whacked out if you listen to what um the stuff that of course um Rick Wright was keyboard player by the way um, used, was a jazz player and so he used a lot of fusion chords and then you listen to what gilmore lays down over it he is not playing that that that, 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 that is not a straight up b minor um uh, thing. and if, you know take a chance take a chance and do that with a song that you know throw it in where everybody is thinking you're going to go one place you go another and you and you you don't necessarily play a completely different chord. Like you don't go way out, but you can you can pull things together. And what we're talking about with the with um, the chords is when, when we talk about that they want to resolve a, di- a dissonant chord. Like if you play a second, wants to wants to resolve to something. There's nothing. It, it doesn't. It's like I, I'm here, but I don't know I think if I belong. Music is really
0: about juggling tension because you yeah were.
1: yeah because and that that's that's
0: what we do is like we get farther and farther away from the resolution and then at some point it becomes a, yep. a like a cyclical path toward back towards res, uh, resolution so if you if you sit Immigrant down song. with uh your yeah for example if perfect you sit down example. with your uh, cycle of fifths your circle of fifths right and yep. you yep. think about it it's a circle right but even if you were to like yeah. Say, okay, I'm only gonna use the chords that are in the key of the, you know, the the tonic. And I'm gonna start going around the uh, circle of right. fifths. You'll find out you run out of chords very quickly. And you have very to quickly. like cycle back because like, the um that is this relationship we're talking about. It's the balancing of tension. Right. And 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 the cycle of fifth is actually like the, the fastest way to get back to the root chord because because obviously going. um right. if you didn't know this cadence, right? Root fifth. That's like the obvious chord progression right. that that everyone should learn first. Um, exactly. You can
1: you can because it's the most it's the least dissonant
0: of all the. I don't know if fifth. it's really the least dissonant or if it's the most dissonant. Um, I, technically, it could be a seven. Uh, was a, a second inversion seventh chord? I think is the is the uh, second inversion. No, it's the second inversion of the five. It's a five seven, right? So. Two five seven yep. chord, right? That's the one that that is yep. like the the obvious, right? It pulls you. Um, that's the obvious yep. cadence, and that particular chord is because it's completely the opposite of what your tonic is. So I would think that that would actually be yep. dissonant, but it is the, also the one that pulls you closest to your tonic. So you could probably make the argument. You could tonic, probably make right. the argument that's the closest to the harmony as well. Um, but right. that's my point. Is the the uh the cycle of is based around that that movement right so it's all about right. like getting as much tension as fast as possible so you can resolve it and you can take the long way around and use you know the the inside or the outside track to try and like make it longer but eventually you're going to run out of chords if you follow the if you follow the doctrine of i'm going to stay in the same key
1: because you've only got seven yeah, and
0: and there, if you follow it i think only six or are, are four it's, it's six or five Useful. are usable if you follow from the tonic, yep. you know, on the cycle,
1: um, right? On the cycle of fifths. right? You're not going to wind up with like a, um, because what is it? Uh, it's a yeah. I don't think you can get yeah, right. Seventh? You can't. You can't diminish. Uh,
0: oh, you're and not going to do that. I think that's the one that that uh, this is diminished. I think in the second is also one that doesn't.
1: In the second, yeah, that's the second. That's why almost nobody plays in what is it? Yeah, uh,
0: Locrian, because it's based on the second. Is it Locrian, right. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the most atonal so, of the uh, the modes, and yet jazz players play minor two, second,
1: dominant fifth, and yep. major one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, two five one. That is the that is the if you're that is the blue scale of well, and and they <laughs> use jazz. it. They use
0: it in it, it, every in mode. The, they use it and, in every mode, and they use it yep. and they stack it in weird ways. And that is almost yep. all jazz standards are two, five, one in like unorthodox ways. And that is another like kissing cousin of how blues is organized and how you can get so much mileage out of those same three chords in the same progression, right? You can, you can change it up right. by using different rhythms. You can use different uh, meter um, blues and three, four is great. Yep. Uh, different rhythms. And then of course, um, you know, different chord voicings and even extensions. And substitutions. Right. So if you're yeah, so if you're if you're wondering why
1: most people use one four five, okay, why it's the it's the um simplest form. <laughs> because it's a cadence. Okay. 145 works on the scale of fifths in yes. both directions. That's one thing. But the the but the more important thing is when you look at one four five, um, the one, the four, and the five. If you start out with a minor, four and five are minor. You start out with a major, four and five are major. You start out with seven, four and five are seven, and and so on and so forth. So in other words, your one, your four, and your five are going to match up, and they're and so they're easy to solo over. They're easy to play over. They're easy to match together, which is why when like um, a blues player wants to do an interesting turnaround, for the most part, they'll use what a minor six, right? Or um, they'll do a, a chromatic between. They use, the, a grace, um, they use a grace note, the or they rely
0: on what this quote unquote the blues scale, the blues, which tone. is that's yeah, really a tritone. Tone, okay, <laughs> um, which right. which that kills me is like we have this because and and guitar players started this by the way, but this whole thing that like there's a blues scale, right? There's not really a blues scale. Right. Okay, there's a pentatonic with a tritone, oh. and that's with all it is. It right. was a grace You've note. added. And people right. act like this is like this oh its own thing. It's separate to the pentatonic. And I just like I won't be like, no. No. No, no the pentatonic is a broke, not really different a broke down sc- they're really not scale. Broke down major or not. Different scales. It's a pentatonic scale yeah. with a grace note. <laughs> you know, like it drives me nuts right. when I hear people say it. Um yeah. and 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 the yeah. same thing is like, well, the diatonic scale is different than the pentatonic. And that is true because there, uh, it's not grace notes. It's varying levels of harmony there, and although the pentatonic is based right. off a diatonic scale, actually, you will find that depending on whether you're doing harmonic or melodic minor, it would be different than your pentato- than your pentatonic division. Different.
1: That's correct. Um, because the seven would be and different.
0: And so, if you learn your pentatonics in all positions, you'll find out real quick that um, they're modal as well. Pentatonic has like its own modes, right? And they're actually. Quite different than the diatonic modes, in my opinion, because you skip some of the notes that in the conventional diatonic modes you skip some of the notes to give it character. Um, which means that the pentatonic modes are actually slightly more useful because you could use them in wider applications. The
1: yeah, so the way I the way I remember my pentatonic positions is I actually use them modally. So I don't try to go, what's my first position, second position, third position, fourth position, right? I just use it modally. I go, okay, I started on my one here or whatever. Now I can go to my three right? or minor third. Now I can go to my four. Now I can go to my five. Now I can go to my um, dominant seven. Now I can go back to my one. And so by remembering it that way, wherever I am on the neck, wherever I started, I can find my way home because right. – I know what that is. And the reason that's useful, folks, is because let's say you're playing over a, um, a 1, 4, 5 with a, with a minor 6 turnaround, right? What
0: are you going to play over a minor 6 turnaround with pentatonic? I'd probably use a diatonic anyway. Same I mean, I right would, there, I, in yeah. fact, I would even consider a mi- I would even consider harmonic minor over that. Yeah. But see what yeah, I mean, so though? Th- that's just me, though. Like, that's my personal preference, and that's what picks us you know, all unique players, and we all do it different ways. Um, I right. will say this one though, the one that blew my head up a couple months ago when I, uh, when I was like, you know, I'm so bored with the pentatonic and like we use it for everything and you know, so I was like, I'm gonna learn the major pentatonic and it gets, I know it's yeah. just a different position, but when you actually apply it and you play like, let's say you're playing an E seven and you play that, that, uh, shape, which would be, uh, what, um, D B-fl- flat seven. Uh, which is a D flat, a D flat pont- pentatonic shape against an E seven, right? Um, yep, yep. But, now you got to get yeah, modally. and it's basically what you're doing. But the but the funny part about it is like tonally, it's so different. None of your licks work. You yep. it breaks everything. Yep, Nope. It forces it you breaks to breaks everything. But way. you know the cool part is when you finally learn how yep. to do it and it all clicks into place. Then you're like, wait a minute. So I can play one. Tr- I can play one chorus using the major and maybe grabbing a couple of color tones from the minor, and then I can play the next chorus using the minor pentatonic and literally just rip its face off. And it gives this whole, like, yep. it opens your world up. You're like, wait a minute. So if I do this, I, I like now have two really? completely different flavors, and I can build two completely independent solos that, that kind of mirror one another in different ways. And um, yep. it's a big moment. And what's funny is,
1: the the choice of notes yeah. is different yeah
0: it's totally different yeah and so you're
1: yeah and so you can play if you're if you're mixing the major minor pentatonics let's say you play a and you can do this like like call right. and answer like you can do a call in major or minor and then respond yeah, that's in what the other that's So you what do i do your response yeah.
0: yeah um but i actually i found that you know you get through one chorus, and like maybe you may like like if it's a jam session, you know obviously you're gonna play a solo right or or the other guy's gonna play the solo first, and then you're gonna like take over for rhythm for a while, and then you're gonna give him the solo back. The yep. cool thing is you can play one whole solo in like a major pentatonic and maybe you know some color tones or whatever, and then the next solo you're like in the minor pentatonic, and then it's afterburner time because you're so familiar with it well
1: what's funny is so you you solo. In major pentatonic, and then you hand that off. Watch them. Watch the other What do I do with this? Watch what they. (laughs) The other person's like, wait a minute, and and so they nine times out of ten, if it's not somebody that you've worked this out with beforehand, they're gonna they're gonna go to their safe zone. Gonna go to their their. um, And so you guys sound different. You have a totally unique voice at that point. And then it's unique. It's it's so different. And then, like you said, then you can just. Well I use the Dorian
0: too. I use the Dorian a lot too. And uh, if you've never tried to rip Dorian over a minor blues, like it's that's the way to go. That's the Gary Moore thing. Um, but it's right. Yeah. There's so there are great fingerings for Dorian, especially in the root position. But it's and I think that's a big part of the reason why I gravitate toward so so much. Actually, I was playing Dorian long before I knew what it was called. Um, because I would pull all those color tones in from Dorian. Um, yeah. and that's, I, I'm, I'm told it's fairly, fairly common. And then of course you can use Dorian pentatonic, which is basically like, so if you're, if, you're playing an e, if you were to play, um, so I, let, us say we're playing an, a, the, uh, a, so if you played your pentatonic at the, um 10, yeah, like fifth position, 10th fret, that's when you're going to get yep. into Dorian voicings and it you you got to wrap your head around how to actually play the dorian like shape but once you got it dude i mean it just opens up your playing so much more so now you've got three modes you got ionian major right you got minor pentatonic yep. or aeolian pentatonic and then you also have dorian pentatonic on top of it the dorian and those three modes yep. i get more mileage out of those than can... anything else <laughs> That's right, and if you throw
1: your your, this is why people will say there's never a bad note, there's never a wrong note. There's just a note that's less, uh, what did what did we say less? uh, Yeah, less appropriate appropriate than others. For, yeah, for the individual time. But you know what's funny is like if you're if you're good at listening to yourself. This is why I hate soloing when I can't hear myself, um, real well. If you're good at soloing when you can hear yourself, like if I hit a bad note. I'm a half a note. I'm a half step away from a good note. So I know an appropriate note. Let's just say that. So I know if I hit a note and it sounds like, like garbage to me, I know I can go up or down. And after a while you get the feel for where you're supposed to go.
0: Though is it. And even with that stratagem is to, is to be able to do it quickly because what happens if you hit on the beat, like if you're on a one, two, three or a four and you hit the wrong note. Yep it's going to be obvious. If you're it, in between a 1, 2, 3, or 4, then you're going to be okay as long as it's not in an, in an 8 yep. meter, Um, you know, like 4, 8, or, yep. or 6 to 8, or 12,
1: eight. And you can use them, like, if you're going to go, let's say um, you're going to go from A to E, right? You could use a wrong note. An E-flat doesn't fit, but it does if you're going to go and you're just going to slide up, and you're going to use that E-flat in the middle, whether you, you, you do it uh, with a slide or you do it um, chromatically um you can you can make use of it. I'm just using that one as an example
0: I here e a second ago, but I remember years and years ago. this is just yeah. a little anecdote um when i was in when I was in college, I had a conversation with um uh, one of my one of my classmates about time signatures, and I was like, well, they were trying to tell me that three four is the same as twelve is the same as twelve eight or and I'm like, oh. Not really, no. Because because it has to do with so in in traditional music notation you'd have like Allegro, which means fast. But that would be different. So Allegro would be the same same beats per minute, but if it's twelve eighths telling you to subdivide, right? And so it's even faster. Right. Um and That's
1: what I was gonna say. So
0: those are things to keep in mind too, like And it defines. When you're when you're structuring a part, you have to be Aware of what the rhythmic structure of that part is to an extent. I was playing a song today. It's called Free Time. Uh, it's a song that I'm that that actually it's the one I tracked this afternoon. I'm super familiar with the song at this point. It has because uh, it's my song, obviously. Um, it has yeah. seven eight. Uh, it has like two bars of seven eight, a bar of nine eight, and then and then like four bars of four four. And that's and it's it repeats <laughs> like that the whole song. Um, so when you have okay, to run when horse. you have to solo over se- seven eight. And uh, nine eight, you you learn yeah. very quickly to do like two note phrases, or or things like that because that's the only way you're going to get through that. Or you kind of play in free time, which is All part right. of the way that the song works, and hence the title. Um, so my solo on it, it's not great; it's very spontaneous. I I intentionally left it that way, but that's there. I'm making a statement there. But it, you could subdivide. I was thinking about this while I was. Working on the time, you could subdivise and say saying seven eights right you could say it's 14 fourteen mm-hmm. eights you could theoretically do right. that and and you could it would be the same music notation now, how this changes things and the reason why it's seven eights is because the phrases are seven notes long, and so I had to be pay attention right. to that, and that has a lot to do with the phrasing where the um the accents line up and also the uh the um the the tones of the chords basically like so it's it's it's, a lot of it's arpeggiated so i wanted to make sure that those chords are hitting on the right beats um and all of that stuff even when you get into odd meter it's all it's all subdivided i mean it's really a bar of four and a bar of three right or a bar of two and and two bars of three you know or something like that like that's how they you just whatever combination you can add it up to um so that's why the, the reason why i bring this up is because we're talking about playing in between notes you got to know what your meter is, otherwise you don't know which notes to land on, and you don't know which ones are important. Yeah, for you know building your your uh, harmonic structure. Yeah, and
1: if you ever you want like. to learn to play keyboards, which I'm doing, I I do play keys not very often, but I do play keys, and so in the church I play a couple of songs on keyboard as well. Um, and uh,
0: that's got to be a hell of a task. Oh,
1: it is. Uh, so I have to remember, okay, chord, and, and I don't want it to sound like an oopa oopah. <laughs>
0: Like you'd hear in those uh, those old spaghetti westerns. It's it's unmistakable. <laughs> it's unmistakable. It's root fifth, root fifth all day long. Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. So I'm trying to stay away from that uh, uh, the, it, because it sounds so corny and crappy. Because they, they like me at the church because I don't sound like everybody else that's been there. So I'm trying to keep that. So I'm doing a lot of this where I just keep my left hand behind me and do this. And then I bring out the cord and then bring out the cord. And then I just hold the sustainer pedal down. <laughs> Just <laughs> Jim's like Jim's like. I hope nobody knows I can't play piano. Yeah, I'm that's like, exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, what they don't realize is this right here is the same arpeggio over and yeah. over
0: and over and over. <laughs> oh, you're not even you're not even playing it like you know, like so you get the octave, you know. You're nope. just playing the three notes. Nope, three, and notes, and three notes, th- three notes, three okay. notes. One three
1: five, one three five, one three five, three one five, three one, five.
0: Three, one three five. five one, yeah, three. so I took piano in college which is where I get a lot of my theory from actually. Yep. Um, and you would be amazed. So if anybody, if any of our listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation as the the back half of this episode, right. Um, if you're interested in, in learning more about theory and you feel like uh, you can get guitar theory books, they exist. Yes. Right. But I think they're fairly limited. I looked at the Vi one. I didn't buy it. And there's a reason for that because it's all though. It's specific to guitar. Like it's, Theory 101, right yeah. and I'm already to the point where like I would if you I know what more minutes. of what's in there, I would probably know more than what's in there already right so um but I would say the fastest way to learn theory is to start to r- learn to read music, yeah, because the 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 organization, the structure of like how you read music is built to highlight theory because it uses your knowledge of how music works yep. in order for you to quickly read. So as you become a better sight reader, you're going to become a better theory person. You're going to understand theory a lot more. Yep. Um, Because you'll see commonalities. And it's like, it's like reading the English language. You suddenly start to realize that like, if you read a lot of poetry that everybody uses iambic pentameter. Yeah. Like, and, and, and you just suddenly realize, Oh, I see the same rhythm beneath the subtext yep. in everything. And all of a sudden, you know, you, when you see a piece of music, you just look at the key signature. You go, oh, well, there's two sharps. That's you know, that's A right. or whatever. You know, like you right. you know immediately what what I, I'm sure I'll probably get that wrong, but one flat. Um, yeah. I see one. I see one sharp. So it's clearly E. Yeah. You know, um, you don't even you don't even like look I to see, see no where the sharps, sharps and or flats, flats are. It's C. Yeah. You don't look to see where the sharps and flats are in the key signature. You just count them and you go, yep. okay, I know what key this is.
1: Yeah, because so. it can't. It doesn't change. So two sharps. By the way.
0: Except um, for when somebody wants to be a dick and they put like they make it like a double flat key signature or something, and you're like, What the? F-? Yeah, two, <laughs> two sharps, by the way, is D, but anyway, yeah, that's so I thought, yeah, D, yeah. and then because
1: your F and C are sharp,
0: A is A is the A is like, one what? with three, yeah, that's three sharps because A and F sharp are the same.
1: And the way you can do this, folks, is you Rick Beato's got a great mug, grab his coffee mug. I think it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks. was A sharp. I was, I was saying the, A and F sharp minor are the same. That's right. Yeah. Um the uh if you buy his coffee mug, he's got the circle of this on her and he's got the whole thing laid out for you. So you can so drink coffee n- and one less thing you need on your table to actually like write a song. <laughs> I literally have ordered one so that I could have it for when I'm um doing my sheet music cuz I'm re you know as I have to learn to s- or well it's not that I'm learning a sight read because I like can obviously sight, sight read, but to sight read quickly, it takes time. You have to you have to know. You look at it and go, "That's a That's a C. That's a D. That's an F." Um, a, as far as a chord, you look at that. Mm-hmm. You look at that that uh, bass clef, and you go, "Okay, I, I got this." And the or and you, the
0: circle of fifths. If you didn't know, if you've never explored this thing, it'll tell you how many notes. Because the farther you get away from the from C is how many sharps and flats you have.
1: Right. So usually i will put C at 12 o'clock, and then they move right. in fifths. So if you look at it, that's why there's 12 notes, right? You go in, in, no, in C a circle.
0: Right. right.
1: So you got a fifth from C. C and G, rather. Yeah. And then a fifth from G, and then a fifth from the D. So you, you're going around in a circle.
0: Um, and, and C and, has no no sharps and flats. right? G has one he has two you know and you get and then when you get to the you bottom the you got
1: you got um six and then you go back <laughs> down to zero right
0: right <clears throat> so it's i think it's a very useful tool if you haven't explored it use it the other thing is i will say this my songwriting i don't use it i don't use cycle fits anymore um i don't use gosh i don't use so many tools that are at my disposal i have written songs with a circle fist. i've sat around and said okay so i'm gonna use this this and this and this um, but once you start getting into extended harmony, like it's not as useful. Um, it is, it gives you a roadmap, but I think by the time you get to like extended harmony, like you're beyond that at that point. Um, I think most people, you know, when they're starting to like, do I use a regular 13? Do I use a dominant 13 or do you use a minor 13? Right. Like when you're asking yourself those questions, you have moved beyond the circle. of fifth. Well, because you've moved beyond the octave,
1: you've moved outside yeah, right. and, and those who don't know. So a ninth is really. A second, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just an octave, higher. A ho- octave higher than your first second, and a thirteenth is what the, the sixth or whatever. Um, yeah, or fifth. Fourth. See, I, I get confused even. I um, I know it can't be the fifth. It's sixth. It is the it sixth. It is. the sixth. I was right the first time because it's an it's an octave higher than your first sixth. You add. Um. So the problem is you have to subtract one because, like, the ninth is the second. Because you have to subtract one, because you've gone. It, it's just like starting with a zero. It was a zero, right. you know, and you, and then you walk around. So you would think, oh, wait, eight plus two is ten. No, because eight is zero. So now you got to add one to the eight. That's why it kind of gets confusing. But um, if you just take some time and and look at how the um, chord structures go, you'd realize that, that um, okay, like a thirteenth on a guitar is relatively easy to play right i mean really easy to, relatively easy to get to a 13th depending on yeah where you yeah. started with your Dep- one. And, and what voicing noise right but but on a keyboard that could be a really big stretch that's gonna be a two-hand stretch typically
0: yeah yeah um unless you play that you do some sort of inversion or you're not really right. playing the chord that 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 you're saying you're playing because exactly. that because that happens too like people will say say oh it's a thirteen and they'll play a suspending chord, yep, and you can get away with that um because you'll find that you don't often need all the notes of a chord to make it sound like that chord um but but my point is that um even when I'm writing conventional music um I tend not to use the cycle fifths like I'll have a flatted fifth in there somewhere right. or I'll have um I, the the song I wrote i uh, i it's called c because it's in c mm-hmm. um I have I have these ascending two five one progressions that are in there. Right. And then the last note is actually um raised. The last uh I guess it would be a one is raised. Yep. No, it would be it will cause it's inverted, so it would be a two, a minor second, but it's raised. Right. So it's actually a, a like a minor third. Yep. Um but that's where or actually it would be a double minor third or something like that, or yeah, yeah, yeah. it would probably be considered a raised second, double flat saying. a third or you know. um yeah, something weird like that, but anyway, the reason why I did that is because I'm using my ear now to to write, and I'm just to the point where it's like for me, um it's easier for me to write with my ears than it is to write with theory, um uh, because I like things that tickle my oh, ear, yeah. you know. I, mean, I think theory been... seems kind of bland if you write theory just straight theory. Right. It's going to be kind of bland. It's those like color things and the things you grab outside of theory well, that make theory great. Yeah, we you know? talked
1: about it before. Theory is the ability to to communicate.
0: It's the ability ideas. to understand the things that, you've, that you that you experience in the world. Correct. Like it's the rules that explain why things work. Right.
1: So if you if you went to a music theory class, you'd also take Likely you take music appreciation and the two would start to meld because one of the things that you're going to start to um, find out in theory is why do certain things work and why do they not work? Why is it that when I hear this, I want it to pull back to that talk about chord qualities. Um, Right. And why is it that um, when, uh, why are all most pop songs, the same four chord, um, same four chords, and so on and so forth. And yet they they tickle your ear for some people, and they grate the ears of others. And what makes that tick? And of course, then the, the question is, is rap music and stuff like that? You start to get into things like that. Can you, can you be totally dissonant? Can a song be completely dissonant? Or is there harmony in dissonance?
0: Eric. All of those things are interesting topics to explore for our listeners. That's right. Comment on the group comment on the group on any of this stuff. I kinda wanna have some more theory discussions, yeah. I think this has been fun. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I we think should next we week, should write a song. I think next week we're gonna hit well, we need to write a new theme song. Yes. Um I think next week we're gonna we're gonna try to touch base on the uh the um uh, uh budget friendly segment. And because uh, I haven't, I haven't touched that, so I was going to do it monthly. Oh yeah, um, yeah, but, we got to do that. But I need to. I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have enough a budget for this. Um, <laughs> so there is a Patreon for this podcast. Right. Um, there is also a Threadless store and many other things, and we have a Facebook group. I encourage everyone to join it. Um, if you want to find out about the show, talk to Gemini directly. Uh, you join our Patreon group, you get exclusive access to Gemini, which is not that great. Yeah, Uh, admittedly but we do appreciate you keeping the lights on for the show and you do have input on the show and other things so um, with that I have been David I've been Jim and tonight we've been the Practical Guitarists